This week, we're taking the train to Lafayette, West Virginia, and discussing the disappearance of the Sodder children, a strange case where five children seemingly vanished in the midst of a house fire. Listener discretion is always advised. All aboard the Midnight Train. Hello, passengers, and welcome to the Midnight Train, where, of course, we bring the dark to light. We make fun of and joke about creepy things while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. Yes, we are a comedy podcast, or so we like to think, and stuff can get really dark really fast. If you're not into that kind of stuff and you don't really think that kind of like mixes together very well, it's like oil and vinegar or water and vinegar or whatever the hell the adage is. Vinegar and something. Yeah, something then you know what? No hard feelings. But if you are and you want to take a chance, then welcome. Yeah. Right? Sure. Welcome. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. And of course, with me is the big hairy one. It is Mr. Moody. I thought, but Sasquatch was here before you were talking. Well, that's loud today. <laughs> wow, the crowd is loud today. I, you know, we deserve it. Yeah. Well, thank you, crowd. Thank you, crowd. Thank you. Can, can I get one more? Really? Yeah, you know yeah. how they do that in the, where they raise their hand and they pull it down yeah. real quick? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, hi. We're here today. It is our technically our three-year anniversary. Woo! That's right. Three years of beating our head against that proverbial brick wall. Yeah. And trying to bring you guys entertaining content. Sure. And uh, failing miserably. I was going to say, <laughs> failing for most of those three years. No, we do an I. We do an I. It's so weird, though. I have noticed that the uh, the, the the charts they like go up and down, uh, dude. It's so yeah. weird. I haven't, I haven't looked recently. It's been it's like so weird. Well, don't look because you might get depressed. I'm going to look right now. Don't. Oh. I'm going to cry. Don't. It's okay. You're going to be like, hey, we're number one in my backyard. Hey, better than nothing, bro. This is very true. So listen, uh, <laughs> Patreon for last week. If you got a chance to listen to that, ah. I kind of screwed up <laughs> and totally forgot to not only produce, but uh, post the uh, the initial one that we were supposed to talk about. So make sure you get over to Patreon so you can hear about us talking about cryptids of the world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a fun one, too. It was a fun one. I mean, we've talked about it twice now in two episodes. <laughs> and you're finally going to get to yeah, hear it. Yeah, and you get to hear it. So hopefully you guys get over there. <laughs> enjoy that. For five bucks a month, you get all kinds of the bonuses and all the back catalog stuff. You know what I mean? All kinds of cool, cool stuff. So sign up where you can. All Plus right. You, get, you technically get double the bonuses. Yes, because you're getting the, uh, you get the, the other one too. icons and outlaws. Laws, laws, whatever, laws, that, laws. whatever that other stupid podcast That would be is. my other podcast where we uh, just launched, uh, what did we do this past week? It was Jay-Z. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Love me some Jay-Z. Okay. So get on over there and, uh, you know, like, subscribe to that one as well. Icons and hey. Outlaws. Uh-oh. We made an appearance on Austria's charts. Ooh. The Austrians. Yeah. All right. There we go. Hi, Austrians. If you're going to Ireland. We're still up there on their charts, too. Yeah, the Where Irish. you going now, man? The, the Irish, Irish love us. You. Yeah. That's because we're drinkers. Yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know. It couldn't be that we're entertaining. No, it's because no, we're drinking. Abs- absolutely yeah. not. Yeah, you're right. I get it. 
All right, so listen, <laughs> let's save the rest of the business stuff until the end. We have a crazy, crazy episode going on for you. It's a story I've heard so many times over and over, and every time I hear it or research more, because I went through and did a bunch of stuff with it as well. Yeah, okay. You learn more and more stuff. Did you add stuff? I did. Okay. Good, oh, good. boy. This, so this might be a little bit of a longer one, but uh, I think it takes, you That's know. all right. There's a lot to it. I'm glad you added stuff because when the, when I was done with what I had, it, it was it was on the shorter side of the episode. Right. Yeah. So. It's just it, it and, and I actually kind of have a little bit of a connection to it too. And okay. I, we'll talk about it when we get into. Well, yeah, it. it's from your area, right? Yeah. Like yeah. not far at all. Really? Was at it, all? Was it you? It, what? No. <laughs> <laughs> this was like did back did, in the 20s or you, some shit. Did you do it? Uh, yes. I'm a time traveler. Oh, wait, it was back. It was Chainsaw then. Chainsaw yes, was, it was totally Chainsaw, Chainsaw was involved. Maybe. Hopefully he's is, feeling better. By the way, he had he uh, COVID one, last is he week or the week before. One of the Sodder children. He might be the disappeared ones. He might be. I think he's one of like Jesus's children. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did Jesus have children? Anyway, let's get into this. Chainsaw. Let's... Chainsaw was the first. Uh, the first uh, modern human Neanderthal hybrid that, that was born back in the. So the, so he was there was Adam and Eve. He was the brother that came first, but they got rid of him. <laughs> they stoned him. <laughs> Like who the f- what the fuck is wrong with this? What guy? is wrong with this? Look at the ch- the wallet chain. What is that? <laughs> I thought the snake was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's turn down the lights, uh, adjust our seats, grab a drink, and uh, let's get spooky. But first, here's a toast to all you beautiful spooky. and yeah. non-beautiful motherfuckers. Oh, that's that's me. You included <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. Thank you. Everybody's in this week. Uh, uh, uh. Jeff keeps wanting me to uh, play um, like the songs from Icons and Outlaws yeah. as our intro, and I can't get it to work. <laughs> Each week, I just can't get it to work, so I got to figure it out. <laughs> we'll be doing that. We'll be so you guys can hear those songs. So are if you're interested, gonna, are we gonna get banned in specific countries if you do that though? No, all right. it's all on them level level. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. Mm. Ooh, that last little get you right there. Yeah. All right. So listen, welcome aboard for another crazy episode. Today on the train, we step into a familiar world, or should we say uh, worlds? I hit the wrong button. (laughs) There it is. Yeah, now now it's it's not so fucking easy. Now I have to do that because I screwed that up. Anyway. A couple of episodes ago, we did some mass disappearances. You guys remember that, right? It was just a couple of episodes ago, and you yeah. know we love some true crime, so today we do. We, we, we decided to combine the two. We did. Right? That's, uh, supposedly, supposedly. Supposedly. You see, for the mass disappearance episode, uh, yeah. there was one case that kept popping up. Now, this was interesting to us because we've had that particular case on our list of shows to do, like topics, for some time now. Right. So we figured this would be a very good time to go ahead and, you know, Finally, just do it. Yeah. Today, we are talking about the disappearance of the Sodder children. So the incidents, uh, incidents, the incident, incidences, the incident happened (laughs) on uh, Christmas Eve in 1945 in Fayetteville, West Virginia. For some reason, I thought it was like way earlier than that. No, it was 40s. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was like in the 20s. See, that's even weirder to me. So Fayetteville, West Virginia, for all of you, you. for all possibly for all of you older, (laughs) you know, listeners, you guys have been on the train for a while, you amazing passengers. Um, my family, um, both sides, my family actually are about an hour away from this. Oh, and there are some weird discrepancies in the. uh, Did you have like random family members all of a sudden show up? Well, I don't know. I wasn't alive in the 40s. 
whatever, dude. Quit lying. But there are some weird things, and maybe one of these days we'll talk about it in a bonus. All right. Um, because I did the whole DNA thing. Yeah. And there's some weirdness going on there. Really? Yeah. I mean, your DNA is weird, anyways. Well, that's true. Because I'm an alien. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. So George and Jenny Sodder lived with their uh, with nine of their ten children. Okay. Yeah. At the time, the oldest son was off fighting in World War II. WW2. Oof. That's bad enough. I know it sucks. Bad enough you got a kid over because there's a good chance that he ain't coming back. Yeah. During that, it was a rough one too. Lots of lots yeah. of sauerkraut. Yeah. Yeah. So the night of the Is that incident, what the angry Germans were called. They did call them krauts. Yeah. Okay, sauerkraut. And for you, for you German you listeners, I get it because they were Do upset. Sauerkraut. Sauer funny. I, I did, in fact, get that. You got a free joke today. <laughs> Do you have one for the end of the show, by the oh, way? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. So, anyway, and, and we apologize <laughs> to any German listeners out there. So, we know, um, we're not talking about you guys. Yeah, of course. You guys know what they did back in the day. You guys are awesome. Let's not even, yeah. So, the night of the incident, Jenny. On a side note, the sorry, mom. Sorry. What? Sorry. Go ahead. I saw that Dan Cummins is tackling the Holocaust. I, I listened to it. Okay. Oh, boy. How did it go? Amazing. I think that is a weird topic for him to, like... He handled it with uh, the utter of, of grace. He did, okay. Yeah. I was one, I'm like, yeah. man, I don't know how that's You know how he does it. He basically just made fun of Hitler the whole time having a small wiener. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, right. which is hilarious to me because, oh, yeah, you know, sure. I mean, we have Hitler's mustache here with us. So yeah, we do. He can we have do. the wiener, we'll take the mustache. Yeah. It's equal. Uh, do, you, do, you think the, do you think the mustache and the wiener were friends? They might have been. I can... I can. Is he out there? Hold Hold on. Hey, mu mustache. Are Other you ones. Hey, come here, mustache. Uh, I, I, Hello, I, how hey. are you today? Hey, what's going on? We have a question for you, mustache. How are you, how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm just doing my thing. You, you, look, you look nice, by the way. I, I, you, I, I like groomed myself recently. Did you new shampoo or something? I did. Oh, very nice. It's Dr. Squatch. Oh. Yes, it's very nice. Excellent. Yes. So we have a question for you. Okay. Were you friends with Hitler's wiener? Oh, that dick. <laughs> He smells so bad the entire time. You just so, walk around and he stinks. Really? Yes. So can you give us the inside scoop? Was he uh, mm, or little bit? Oh, no. It was like, a, a, what, how, how do you say, a light switch in a doorhouse. Oh, my gosh. It's very small. Really? Yeah, it's almost an innie. <laughs> oh, my god. Yeah, he thought he had a pubic hair until he peed out of it. Oh, boy. That's very small. That's frightening. Very, very small penis. Okay. Yes. You guys you guys weren't really friends, though? No, you know, it's a long-distance phone call all the way down there. So, you know, I don't want to take the time, you know, so I, I just okay. leave him alone. All right. Plus, his best, his best friend are a couple nuts, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just crazy. So I don't hang out with those kinds of guys. All right. All right. We just That's all. We just had a question. Okay, thank you. Okay, see you later, Mustache. Bye, Bye Mustache. Well, he was in a better mood this time. I know he was a he was kind of a dick last time. He was Speaking super of upset. dicks. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of he was kind of a dick last time. He was kind of a dick last time. So anyway, <laughs> the night of the incident, Jenny, the mother here, was she was awoken three times. Okay. So uh, real quick, when I was yeah. doing this, uh I, I may have done it in the notes. I found like <laughs> the spelling of her name like three different ways. Yeah, it's like the uh, N N I E and then N N Y. Yeah, like I was just like, uh, okay. I don't know, I but don't I just know. want to call her Jenny the Jenny. whole time. <laughs> Jenny. I might not be a smart man, Jenny, but I do know what love is. <laughs> Sorry. I'll keep keep him out of here. So first at 1230 a.m., she was awoken by a phone call during which she could hear a woman's voice she did not recognize asking for a name she did not know, as well as glasses clinking in the background. Like maybe having a fucking party someone's having a party or Woo. something, right? Yeah, but I'm going to call this lady. 
it was Christmas Eve. Right. And then we'll talk about a few instances where Christmas Eve kind of like put a little bit of a damper on the the uh, the preceding yeah. shit. Sure. When I can't think of a word, I just say shit. That's fine. It right. works. As, we all, do, right? As yeah. we all do. As we all do. Right. So anyway, she hears this. She gets this phone call, right? Jenny told the caller she had reached the wrong number, later recalling the woman's weird laugh, which is f- kind of disheartening. Yeah. You know, someone calls you up and they're like, hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. You have the wrong number. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> be the Stewie laugh. <laughs> Do you ever- which would be disheartening in itself. Have you ever seen? So do you you know Futurama, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the show that he did called Disenchantment on Netflix? I've never seen it. There's a character called Laughing Horse on that on that show, and it it's like the Stewie laugh, and it's the funniest goddamn thing. I fucking love it. The, stu- the Stewie laugh is amazing. I love the Stewie laugh. <laughs> so okay, so weird laugh, strange call. It's twelve thirty in a.m. So that's probably pretty early or late at night for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? So these the, this is just the beginning. So if you guys are taking notes, get your handy-dandy pad out there. And as you're taking notes, make sure you have a drink next to you because yeah. you know how we do this. It's right? like Blue's Clues. Right. It is. It's kind of like Blue's Clues. Okay. We are going to play murder. <laughs> we are going to play murder. We are going to play murder. And so get yourself a drink. <laughs> hey. <laughs> what were you yeah, going to say? Perfect. No, that works. Oh, you had your own? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that works. And of course, you should already be drinking because we just referenced uh, um, you a know, movie uh, slash TV show correct. slash whatever. Correct. Yeah. Haven't done that. No, I haven't mentioned that in a while. Hopefully, you guys also are still did doing the that. Forrest Gump earlier. So that's that is as well. Yes. So you guys yeah. are you guys should be getting pretty lit already. Yeah. So as she as she did here, she noticed that some of the lights were still on as she was getting ready for bed. She was going back to bed. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. She was like, I'm just going to go back to bed. And she noticed that some of the lights were still on and that the curtains hadn't been closed. So these are two things that the children normally did when they stayed up later than their parents. Now, you got to remember this is the 40s, probably I would say I would I'd use the term strict, right, at that point in time, like Right. Well, they also had one usually, of the one of the kids that was there was older in his 20s. Right. So there's there was some older children there as well. Right. But then, you know, normally I'm saying like you have things you need to do before bed. Sure. Right. And it's yeah, 1230. Yeah. And they had chores. We, they talk about chores right. in there later. So they had things they had to do. Right. So one of the daughters, Marion, um, had fallen asleep on the living room couch. So Jenny just assumed that the other children who had stayed up later had gone back up to the attic where they had actually slept. Right. She closed the curtains, turned out the lights, and she went back to bed. She then, uh, you know, went back to bed only to be startled by a loud bang and a rolling noise on the roof. Bang! Is that what it sounds like? No, not okay. at all. <laughs> that would be weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> Maybe it was Santa Claus. Maybe. It was fucking Christmas. <gasps> or Krampus. Did we just solve this case? It could have been Krampus. We just solved the case. At again. the end of this, if you guys think it's Krampus, I want to hell yeah. I think we just solved this case again. I, that's what we do dude, here, We are dude. solving that's, cases left and right, man. That's it. It was fucking Krampus. Krampus. Krampus did this. Hey, yeah. well. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, we'll see, see you guys you later. Well, week. you guys have a good time, and I go home and get your fucking shine box. <laughs> I go home and get. I go home and get. Okay, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so no, so she she hears this loud bang, and which is really odd too that she didn't like inspect it more. I because everything yeah, I've read, I like, what the fuck? yeah, exactly. Like I'd be at least wake my husband up, and be like, hey man, <laughs> like like the bang itself, like eh, whatever could have been like a tree or like like at my house, like we get like acorns falling on the fucking roof. But see, that's but, like, the thing if too. You hear a bang, and then like you hear something rolling down your roof. Right? Was it like a a bump, like a little little, or like a 
Right. Or was it like, you know, something hitting your freaking yeah. roof? Because I'd have been out there investigating that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then again, we don't know. They could have been sauce too. So it was Christmas Eve. It's true. It's very it's, possible. It's true. So she soon dozed off again and finally awoke an hour later at around 1.30 in the morning to see the house engulfed in smoke. Oh, my. She found that the room George used for his office was actually on fire around the telephone line and fuse box. Oh, that comes into play later. It most definitely does. So those are pretty much the facts that can be proven for the most part. <laughs> All right. That's, episode over that's again. That's pretty much it. Man, we're yeah. flying through this. Everything else is kind of... Speculatory? Just, to say the freaking least. And it's a lot of... Uh, a lot of hearsay, a lot of speculation, a lot of... Yeah, it's uh, just so... This is such a crazy, crazy, crazy story. Only because of the time and the, I guess you'd say, ineptitude yeah. of the people involved. Sure. And as we go through this, you guys will you get a lot of that in these yes. cases. Yes, yes. That's why they're on the show. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If there was quality police work going on, most of these things wouldn't be on the show. Yeah, if it was like solved and, yeah, it's all done, we I wouldn't even like, be talking about uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. So George and Jenny made it out of the fire, as did Sylvia, just a toddler at the time. Also, two of their teenage children, Marion and George Jr., made it out. 23-year-old John rounded, out the, rounded up the kids that made it out alive, okay? Or did he? So John said in his first police interview after the fire that he went up to the attic to alert his siblings sleeping up there. Though he later changed the story to say that he only called up there and did not actually see them. The children remaining inside were Maurice, who was 14, Martha, who was 12, Louis, who was 9, Jenny, who was 8, and Betty, that was 5. So there's another Jenny? They have a daughter named Jenny? Yeah. Well, Weird. they had a George Jr. I guess that's true. Yeah, Jenny Jr.? <laughs> What's up, JJ? <laughs> so according to accounts, Marion ran to the neighbor's house to call. Uh, this is the, the oldest son, right? Yeah, Marion is the... No, that's the daughter. It's the daughter that was sleeping that on the was couch. was a teenage daughter, yeah. Okay, right. So she ran across to the neighbor's house to call the fire department because their phone wasn't working. Weird, but remember it was also... It was also on fire. Right, so it's possible. <laughs> a driver in the nearby road also saw the flames and yes. called from a nearby tavern. Oh, good. <laughs> Everybody was at the tavern, by the way, folks. This is not even... A, I'm not even joking about this. Hey, look, that house is on fire. I will call when we get to the bar. You got it. Dude, marshmallows. Hey, man, can you get me a uh, beer and, uh, oh, yeah, there's a house on fire down there. You might want to call <laughs> Someone's house is on fire. So they were t- uh, they were also unsuccess- uh, unsuccessful in calling, either because they could not reach the operator or because the phone there turned out to be broken. So it was <laughs> Christmas Eve, and I have read numerous places that the police chiefs actually sent everybody home, including dispatch and everybody. Yeah, probably. Because it was Christmas Eve, in small the, town. In, in 1945. 1945. So What's going to go wrong? Yeah, exactly. It'll be fine. <laughs> she couldn't get an answer, so another neighbor went to find the fire chief and let him know what was happening, right? They literally had to go find him. Right, they had to go find the fire chief. You know where he was, by the way? At the tavern. He was at the tavern. <laughs> yeah, and we'll talk about it here in a second. Oh, boy. So while this was all going on, George, the dad, he climbed an outside wall barefoot to get to the attic, and Jenny tried desperately to save their other children. Um, and from everything I've read, like, George was like, diehard great dad dude yeah like i mean yeah, like yeah. everything that transpired from this up until like his his so the opposite of me correct okay yeah yeah i don't think you guys would be friends is all i'm saying so no. this is uh, where some of the strange things well i guess be, or continue to happen first off neither of the trucks that he owned would start despite having worked perfectly during the previous day right he was gonna try to move 
<clears throat> move them over so he could climb up on the trucks to get to the window. Right. Then their ladder <laughs> was uh, found to be mysteriously missing. Which apparently that ladder is always In the props up against the house and it never moves. Right. And it's always there. Which is odd. And all of a sudden, gone. It's gone. And the trucks wouldn't start. Right. She gone. So because of the family uh, not being able to get help from the neighbor and their trucks oddly not starting when they tried to leave to look for the fire chief, uh, help didn't arrive until 8 a.m., almost seven hours later. So the house was gone by then. Yeah. So the fire department is just two miles from the house, by the way. So, yeah, think about that. Yep. The fire department was low on manpower due to the war and relying on individual firefighters to call each other. Chief F.J. Morris said the next day that uh, (laughs) the already slow response was further hampered by his inability to drive the fire truck, requiring that he wait until someone who could drive was available because he was fucking drunk. Yes. Partying at a local local pub celebrating Christmas Eve. I mean, can you blame the guy? It's fucking Christmas. Yeah. Oh, and here's something new that I didn't know uh, up until just recently when I was going through this. One of the firefighters was actually Jenny's brother. Really? Which was one of the kids' uncle. I didn't see that anywhere. Yeah. I, that, I didn't read that anywhere. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. That, I found that, too. And now, again, if, if, if it's incorrect, blame the internet. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The fire was initially. I feel like in a small town, though. It's, it's yeah, right. Pretty, it makes sense. It's possible. Yeah. The fire was initially blamed on faulty wiring, even though the Sodders claimed there had never been any kind of issues with the electrical wiring before. In fact, a visitor to the house seeking work went around to the back of the house and warned George that a pair of fuse boxes would, quote, cause a fire someday that's not suspect no not at all george was puzzled by the observation since he had just had the house rewired when an electric stove was installed and the local electric company had said afterwards that everything was safe it was fine mm-hmm. seems kind of weird yep and then you got some dude one <laughs> of the of the numerous people that yeah. like were just giving these weird doomsday things so during the investigation something happened that makes this case the crazy thing that we're talking about Five of the Sodder children allegedly perished in the fire, but the bodies were never found. The fire chief told them that the uh, fire had cremated the bodies. Jenny asked a crematorium worker if that was possible. The worker told Jenny that bones remain even after bodies are burned at 2,000 degrees for two hours. So in a crematorium. Yeah. So that fire didn't get up to 2,000 degrees. No, house fires generally burn around, I think from what I was reading, like 1,000 to 1,100 degrees. Okay. Somewhere around there. So there's no, I mean, if they still remain after oh, two hours, in, I think, yeah, and I think I, I think I go into it a little bit in here too. But you do. Yeah, basi- here. basically, they're the consensus is that ninety nine point nine percent of the times, a house fire will not burn bone, and it technically you don't burn bone doesn't burn anyways. But now let's let me just devil's advocate on this, and we'll we'll keep going through this. But I just want to keep you guys yeah. listening and your brains working here. So they said for that at the crematorium, it's 2,000 degrees for two hours. Right. Let's just say this thing was burning anywhere between, we'll say 1,100. We'll give it a whatever. But okay. for freaking almost eight hours, is it possible that that amount of time? Well, so here's the thing. The, the thing that I, everything that I was reading that <clears throat> it basically the bone, the bone won't burn, so to speak. Like it won't right. turn to ash on its own. Right. It, well, we so talked regardless, about it. Yeah. yeah. Regardless of how long it was burning like that. As they were digging, they would find fragments of bone. Right. You would think. Right. Right. So the Sodder home actually only took 45 minutes to burn to the ground. So we did a little fact checking, or should I say Moody did, about this. And there was a lot of argument about whether a house fire can burn bones to ash. But it seems like those who have degrees and are, you know, a bunch of letters after their name and a lot smarter than us, all agree that a house fire typically will not burn hot enough to get rid of bones. 
Also, another thing, another thing we found is that even during cremation, bones do not actually turn to dust. Fun fact for y'all here. Yeah. After being incinerated. <laughs> I thought this was crazy. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> after being incinerated at usually between 1,800 to 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit for about two hours, the bones are the only thing left. Now, the bones are, you know, not the same. Different bones. They're all different sizes and different mm-hmm. widths. And, you know, some are metal and some are made of cobalt. And some are, you know, like me, made of solid steel. Why are you looking at me like <laughs> He's like, where the hell are you going with this? No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so, it, you know, with all the heat and whatnot, it destroys the structure of the bone, but does not turn it to ash. I'm assuming it probably probably gets rid of the marrow. There's it, like no, there's no moisture left in it. It sucks out like all, it basically like, it basically like mummifies, I guess you could say. Like there's no, yeah, like everything's gone. Like the structure of the bone is, is very rigid. It's like very. It, it's strong. Like bull. Well, yeah, but basically, like any kind of like minerals and like, like I said, like moisture and and like marrow, like all that stuff is gone. So you just have like basically the shell of the bone left, and it's like I guess it's like the uh, the like consistency. I don't know if you want to call it that. Yeah. Like the the way it like feels and the way it acts is like pretty almost turns to stone at that point in time. <clears throat> kind of, yeah. yeah. So the ashes you receive, like I guess maybe almost. Yeah. Okay, maybe? that makes sense. I don't know. So the ashes you actually receive, like if somebody is cremated or whatnot, um, are actually the bones of the deceased that have been put into what is essentially a big mixer to pulverize them into dust. Yeah. So there you go. So if you guys were wondering about those ashes from grandma on your mantle, it's just her crushed up bones. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. She, uh, I did read. She was probably a ball buster to begin the, with. Uh, the description of what happens to the rest of the body was interesting, though. It basically said it turns into like this weird, uh, like large grain, like sand almost. <laughs> Like really? I guess yeah. I was like, what? That's odd. Yeah, it's like I guess it turns into like this really weird substance. So kind of related to this, but not. Um, it's so weird to me how you and know, the flames never actually touch the body, which I didn't know. It's just the heat. The body's not set on fire. Yeah, it's, it's just it just gets really fucking. It's hot. just the super. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's just funny to me how stupid criminals will try to like burn bones or burn people. Yeah, the bones are going to be there. And like, first of all, you're not going to get a fire hot enough, dude. No. Like, you're just not going to do that. I mean, you need so many different things to line well, and up. The, and the other thing I was reading was even, they were saying even with uh, house fires that use accelerants, like gas or anything like right. that, like even with those chemicals, it doesn't get hot enough to, to like totally cremate a body and burn bone. Yeah. I mean, think about the, uh, what was it? The, when the, 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 the twin towers, mm-hmm. when they got hit or whatever, what did they burn at? I don't know. They actually, so that one, I there was actually a little story about that. It's like there was a little side note in one of them. The guy was like, there was a guy who was investigating, he was like uh, somebody who was digging through the rubble, basically. And he said that they found, he's like, even though it burned at like, what, like 2,000 degrees or something like that, like some of the fires or whatever, he's like, they found tons of bone fragment like everywhere. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. So, Ugh, so, so even sweat. even in that kind of environment, the bones weren't yeah gone right completely right so keep that in mind as we go through this so at any rate due uh, to what the experts said the family did not believe that the other children simply just burned up in the fire they believe something else happened to the kids but what else could have happened what else would lead one to think something possibly nefarious happened well according to some reports some strange things happened in the lead up to the fire mm-hmm. one strange thing that happened was that in the months before the fire a quote ominous drifter <laughs> hinted at doom <laughs> We're assuming it was kind of like, you know, Friday the 13th, where they're... You're all doomed. <laughs> doomed. <laughs> you imagine someone just came... I gotta start doing that to people. <laughs> just randomly? Just like walk by someone and be like, oh, what? 
You're all doomed. <laughs> doomed. Doomed. <laughs> but I mean, still, I mean, it's it's funny to us. But I mean, still, somebody just it's kind of was just creepy, dude. Some strange person was just like, "Guess what? You're doomed." <laughs> and then this shit happened. Like, what the fuck? So a few weeks earlier, uh, before that too, as well, not too far out from the actual incident, an angry insurance salesman berated George, the dad, telling him that his house was going to go up in smoke and his children would be destroyed as a relation for his criticisms of Mussolini in the mostly Italian immigrant community. So uh, before I continue on that, so basically what happened is is that, uh, yeah, they were from Italy. So yeah, George, we, talk, we go into that later. Right. Too, yeah. So um, basically he came over here, and uh, I didn't know this, but Lafayette back in the day was a very large... Um, Italian community. Italian community. Yeah, it's all, yeah. yeah, it's pretty it's, cool. I didn't know that either. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, it's weird, literally an hour a, away from it's my a family. a weird place for a large Italian community. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't lying. I mean, right? <laughs> Prego! I don't know. Whatever. Possum meatballs. Yeah. So, um, actually, the guy, this guy here that like made these threats, mm-hmm. actually, his uh, exact words were, quote, the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. Okay, mm-hmm. so he didn't like that. Remember, this is World War II. Mussolini right. was uh, involved with the Germans. Right, and he was a dickhole. Yeah, he was fucking yeah. horrible, 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 he horrible, horrible. Mussolini horrible, was not a good person. Horrible human. So if it was a sales tactic, it, it definitely needed work. Otherwise, it's oddly <laughs> specific. Also, a bus driver came forward and spoke of how she saw fireballs being thrown into the roof of the house. Could that be the noise that Jenny heard? Right. I mean... They found this bus driver later on. This was like a couple years after, uh, after the whole incident when they were doing more like looking. So I actually I've seen in numerous accounts, but I've also seen where it's been um, negated. Where they said somebody said they found um, uh, pineapple, pineapple um, grenades or pineapple yeah, bombs that's, or well, whatever they said, called. So I guess they said that they found uh, remnants of they found a chunk of like something in the bushes that George said was reminiscent of the the grenades yeah it, that's reminded him he thought that's what it was but then i've looked in other places where they were like that never happened so i mean you know what i'm yeah. saying you got to take everything kind of with a grain of salt here. Yeah, yeah so in the weeks before christmas that year george's older sons had also noticed a strange car parked along the main highway through town its occupants watching the younger children as they returned from school mm-hmm. that's creepy mm-hmm. just saying so what about the man who cut off the telephone lines at the Sada residence? Huh? Do you guys, did we talk about that yet? Uh, no. No. Well, someone witnessed him taking away a block and tackle used to remove car engines during the fire. Okay. Okay. He admitted to the theft, but answered that he had no part in starting the fire. He had just wanted to cut off the power lines, but instead, you know, just clip the telephone lines. Oh. Yeah. And hmm. then he was let go and no records exist identifying him or questioning anything about why he actually cut the lines or stole the block and tackle. Interesting. Seems kind of suspect there, don't you think? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Then on top of that, you have the incidents on the night of the fire. There was the phone call and then the noise on the roof and she woke up to smoke in the house. Put all this stuff together and one could see where people may start to form some theories that this was more than just a tragic house fire. Correct. A cornucopia of events, Ooh, you might say. Yeah. A plethora. Oh. What is a plethora, Hefe? <laughs> <laughs> I do not know. You are so much smarter than me. Three amigos, folks. Anyway, you know we love a good conspiracy theory as much as the next folks. Well, if more, no, no more than Modi does, right? Oh, yeah, you're, absolutely. You're definitely the conspiracy guy right now. Hell yeah, yeah. 
So not only all this stuff, sightings of the children started almost immediately. Yes. For starters, locals reported seeing the five children in a car that was driving past and watching the fire. That's I guess several people made what? I guess I guess uh, I guess several people made that comment. Uh, I read somewhere where it was just like one lady uh, who was like very familiar with the kids noticed that. And then uh, I guess a couple other people came forward separately to say that they noticed like the kids in the car as well. So I don't know. <sighs> then the next morning, a woman operating a truck stop claimed she saw the children come in for breakfast with uh, four Italian speaking adults. Interesting. They walked in, the kids walk in, and all of a sudden you hear Baba da Booby. Bibbidi Bobby. Bobby the Booby. Kidding. By the way, um, so uh we just figured out that in about a in, in about a year we're actually going to Italy. Oh my god, all these vacations. I know. Yeah, right. You all know where these, I'm going? All these vacations. You know where I'm going in a year? Where? Nowhere. Oh. Well, you know what? You have fun there, buddy. But you know what? I'm used to it. I've been going nowhere my entire <laughs> life, so so um so my wife and I, Grace, we've actually started uh learning our uh our Italian. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's fun. She actually got really drunk off a of red wine last night and passed out during our one of our session lessons. Oh, very nice. It was pretty funny. What are you learning through? Uh Duolingo. Yeah, yeah, I've got that. Yeah, Duolingo. It's I've fun. Been, I've been going back over my German actually. Yeah, nice. What my you... wife's been doing uh what the hell has she been? Norwegian for like over a year now. She's learning Norwegian. Really stupid question. Do they have a different um language over there what are you talking about like nor i guess norway so norway sweden yeah, swedish is it like swedish uh, i don't know how similar it is oh i am inga from sweden <laughs> but you're wearing lederhosen <laughs> it's another one drink up is that fucking uh uh trading places trading places yeah, yeah. happy new year <laughs> or merry new year that's what he says merry uh, new year <laughs> Plus, you get to see her boobs in that. Movie. You mean the Curtis? Yeah. You had to say boobs, didn't you? Not one. Oh, there it is. episode. <laughs> what's the what's the time marker? I'm going to make sure Grace. Listens yeah, it's at 32. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I guess at this point you might as well just say hi, Grace, because she's going to be listening. Yeah. So once pictures began to circulate, more sightings came in. A woman said that she saw four of the children, and where was the fifth? Ooh. In the company of four adults at a hotel in South Carolina. Which could lend credence to the truck stop story, which also mentioned the four adults. Correct. Okay. Armed with all these facts, George and Jenny, mom and pop here, went back to the police and demanded to have the fire further investigated. Fuck yeah, you should. Find my kids, motherfucker! Yes. But the police refused, claiming that the coroner's inquiry determined that no crime had been committed. Oh, well, then obviously. The yeah, I guess. Oh, I'm closed. Oh, well, oh, 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 really? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, the coroner said. Oh, oh, okay, oh. Right, I'm right. just going to go home. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. I guess, you know, fuck me then, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> this is when George and Jenny, just, Jenny decided they would continue the search on their own. All right. George would constantly go. And remember I said George is just seems like the most caring, like, dad. Fuck dude. yeah, dude. Like, you know what I mean? But then, I mean, hopefully we would all do that if something like this tragically happened. Yeah. But he would constantly... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> so he would constantly go and dig through the rubble trying to find something. And remember, they didn't find so anything. Ba so basically what happened was he was, uh, see what had happened was. What had happened was. After everything got situated, he decided he wanted to like fill in, because you know, there's a basement or whatever he wanted. To, he was going to fill it all in. And, uh, yeah, it was like four days like later. like a memorial, like a little memorial yeah. garden. He was super heartbroken, and they were like, yeah, right. let's make a little memorial about this. Obviously, yeah. this is so what happened. So he started happened. like bringing in dirt and sifting through the rubble and trying to fill in and whatever. And, right. Uh, so he would go out there all the time and like while he was trying to fill the basement in to like look through the rubble and just kind of look for stuff. Right. So at one point, his searching seemed to find the first evidence of the children. He found what appeared to be an internal organ, which is odd, and also some small pieces of bone. 
They were sent for testing, and the tests revealed that the organ was actually a cow's liver. Interesting. And that the bones were from someone older than any of the missing children. Mm-hmm. And, okay, just, <laughs> this bothers me a lot. Okay. And we, we find out why it's there in a second, but yeah, yeah. the idiocy behind, hey, you know how we can't find anything from anybody and this fire supposedly destroyed everyone, but hey, there's an organ left. The one thing that would probably be destroyed before yeah, anything else. Right? Why, you know what I mean? Like, right. ugh, idiocy. So the small bone fragments uh, that were unearthed were de- uh, actually determined to have been uh, uh, human vertebrae. Yes. Okay, so backbone. The bone fragments were sent to Marshall T. Newman, a specialist at the Smithsonian Institution. <laughs> they were, uh, that's Alfred E. Newman's brother. Oh, Yeah, I don't okay. know if you knew that or not. No, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, didn't that's, I did some research and found out that I'm full of shit. So... <laughs> They were confirmed to be a uh, the lumbar vertebrae, which I believe is lower, right? Yeah, sure. I don't okay, know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a proctologist. Sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, okay. Because, you know, you talk about lumbar support, like when you're sitting in it's your It's got to be lower back, right? Yeah. yeah. Here you go. I can bullshit just the same. I don't know. My sister will probably yell at me for that. <laughs> That's not, you're an idiot. Yeah. She's like, it's in your foot. <laughs> so these vertebrae actually came from all, all of them came from the same person. And quote, since the transverse recesses are fused, the age oh. of the individual at death should have been 16 or 17 years. And Newman's the report oldest said. child that was missing was like 14, I believe. So. Right. The top limit of, uh, of age should be about 22, since the centra, which normally fuse at 23, are still unfused, which I didn't, I don't know anything about this. Nope. Bones fuse. Now, hey, we're learning here, man. That's we right. We like to teach things You here. see that? Now, you guys, you, you right now, you listening to this. You yeah. Right now. You, no, 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 no. Not you. Y- you. Yeah, you over there. Right. Right. Now, do me a favor. Turn to the left or right of you and tell that person you just learned something new. You just learned something fucking phenomenal, bro. From the Midnight Train podcast. Every week. Every Right here. Every week. <laughs> Learn something new. That's right. So basically, um, the, the top limited age should be about 22 since the center, again, fuses right. at around 23. So they're saying that the, the, the spine belongs to somebody between 16 and 23. Which? 22. Let's throw that in the mix real quick. Who the fuck did that belong to? I think I talk about it later. Actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thus, given this age range, it was not very likely that these bones were from any of the five missing children, since the oldest, Maurice, had been only 14 at the time, although the report allowed... Some people called him Maurice. <laughs> Damn it. And um, so in the report, though, it does say that uh, the vertebrae of a boy his age sometimes were advanced enough to appear to be at the lower end of the range. Right. He said it's very, it's possible, like it happens. The but chances of that happening are, are slim. Right, between slim and none, and none left town. <laughs> also, the bones show no sign of being affected in any way by the fire. Nope. Which is, you would think if it was in a fire, it would look like it was in a fire. Correct. It was speculated that the bone fragments were mixed in with some dirt brought to in to help fill the basement. Later, Tinsley suppo- uh, supposedly confirmed that the bone fragments had come from a cemetery in nearby Mount Hope, but could not explain why they had been taken from there or how they came to be at the fire site. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck are they doing over there? <laughs> hey, West Virginia, you're making me look really bad right now. All right. Like, look, this is. Look, you don't need West Virginia. Yeah, this is. Oh. <laughs> 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 so. They, uh, anyway, it doesn't make any sense. So the Smithsonian returned the bone fragments to George in September of 1949. According to its records, their current location is unknown. Somebody lost the bones. As far as the liver, remember that liver we said that got found in there? You know, that organ that probably shouldn't have been there because Correct. it should have been burned up in the damn fire because it's a freaking liver. Right. It is said that a private investigator found out that the liver was put there by the one and only chief. Yeah, the yeah. old fire chief. Yeah, the drunk guy that uh, couldn't drive his fire truck to go help anybody out. 
Anyway, he put it in there at some point in hopes that the family would find it and accept the idea that the kids perish in the fire. Now, was this a cover-up or was this him being like, man, I feel so bad for them. They need some closure. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, man, I really need a drink. Because <laughs> he sounds like, am I kind of guy? No, he's not my kind of guy. So George sometimes made up his own sightings, or, or made his own sightings, not made up his own. That'd be funny. He'd be like, guess what I just saw? <laughs> I see them. <laughs> no, sometimes he made his own sightings. All right, so on one occasion, George saw a magazine photo of a group of young ballet dancers in New York City, one of whom looked like the missing daughter, Betty. He drove all the way to the girls' school, okay, from West Verbaga to New York, where he uh, is. Uh, he repeated his demands to see the girl himself, but yeah. they yeah. told him to fuck right off. Yeah, yeah. I the, can. You can imagine that situation. Yeah, I need to see her. Yeah. Uh, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> You're definitely not from fucking New York. I can she, tell that. She might be my daughter that supposedly died in a fire, but I don't think so. What? Wait, what? Oh, she's right here. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're going to have to. Yeah, you got to go, go, sir. Go so away. the investigation and his findings attracted national attention, and the West Virginia legislature held two hearings on the case in 1950. Afterwards, however, Governor Oki L. Pattison and State Police Superintendent W.E. Burchett told the Sodders the case was, quote, hopeless and closed it at the state level. The FBI decided it had jurisdiction as a possible interstate kidnapping, but dropped the case after two years of following fruitless leads. So there was nothing coming from no. any of right. this. After the second official investigation ended, George and Jenny continued their search. They never gave up, man. Like, it's just, nope. it, like, until, ever, until, ever. Until the fucking last days until, of their lives. Yeah, man. seriously. And well, and then, then, more, and then, then some, because of the kids that were alive, they kept going with it, you know? Yeah. So George followed up on many leads on his own, like we were talking about, including heading to uh, another place, St. Louis, where a woman claimed Martha was being held in a convent, but of course, nothing ever came of that. Another woman in Texas claimed that she overheard two other patrons making incriminating remarks about a fire that happened on Christmas Eve in West Virginia several years before. Again, nothing came of that. Right. It's just one false lead after another, just right. a shit sandwich being thrown at you constantly. Remember what I say. <sighs> That's, we, we, Life's yeah. a shit sandwich. more bread you got, the less, the less shit, shit you, you taste. taste. Or eat or taste, whatever it is. Yeah, I got to get that shirt done, too. Oh, I did get the, by the way, the uh, America's Second Favorite Podcast t-shirt is now available. Is it up there? Yes, Oh, it beautiful. Yeah, it beautiful. is up there. Make sure you get it. I even did crop tops for the ladies. Oh. Yeah. It is summer. Summertime. Yeah. <laughs> and the living's easy. No? You okay? No. No. All right. Am I ever okay? For a second, it was like Sublime was right here in the studio, man. I know. I know. You can. I'm good. It's crazy. <laughs> so at one point, George. 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 <laughs> hey, George. <laughs> I will love him and kiss Which him. Which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? So at one point, Papa George here uh, heard that a relative of Jenny's who lived in Florida had children that looked exactly like his. Mm. Of course. He went down and uh, you know went out and down to check it out, and only when the relatives were able to prove the children were not were not his that George would actually leave it alone. Okay, right. like they, they like literally he made him prove that those kids were his. Yeah, <laughs> like, uh, but I mean, prove it, dude. I mean, dude, you're hanging on to like the smallest thread, dude, yeah. of any kind of tangent or a tangent of hope. Yeah. In 1967, George went to the Houston area to investigate yet another tip. A woman there had written to the family saying that Lewis had revealed his true identity to her one night after having too much to drink. She believed that he and Maurice were both living in Texas somewhere. However, George and his son-in-law, Grover Paxton, were unable to speak with her. Police there were able to help them find the two men she had indicated, but they denied being the missing sons. Paxton said years later that doubts about that denial lingered in George's mind 
for the rest of his life. So in other words, George was like, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. So he didn't, he didn't believe, he didn't believe like yeah. that was one of the things that he talked about, like, uh, that he wished he kind of would have pushed further about. That's so sad, man. <clears throat> yeah. Damn. It's so sad. So that same year, the family would receive something pretty crazy. A photo showed up in the mail one day. Okay. Now you got to rem- remember here, this was uh 1967. All right. Yeah. And so the murder or the murder, the 20, disappearance 20 years ago. happened almost 20 years ago. Right. So a photo showed up in the mail. The photo showed a man that appeared to be around his early 30s with strikingly similar features as their son Lewis had had. Yeah. And I've seen these, and we need to post that up. If you put them next to each other. It's pretty... It's, yeah, I mean, you could definitely see some similarities. But, but are you looking for it, or if you... If, right, you that's know what the I mean? other thing, yeah. yeah. So, uh, written on the back of the photo... Excuse, I said that fast. Written on the back of the photo was, and this is what it said, Lewis Sodder, I love brother Frankie. Little boys, but little is spelled L L I L. Yeah, I don't know what that means. A nine zero one three two or three five. Nobody knows what any of that means. By the way, they don't know where the picture came There's from. Some speculation about stuff in that letter later on. Yeah, when we talk about some of the theories. So the photo was in an envelope postmarked uh, from Central uh, Central eh, Central City, Kentucky, and there was no re- return address on there. So it had to have at least came from somebody who was in that area. Yeah, you know. So the Sodders hired a private detective to go to Central City and try and track down where this letter came from and follow the lead. Of course you would. The private detective headed to uh, Central City and guess what he fucking found? Oh? Well, nobody knows because uh, he uh, he kind of he kind of took off he disappeared. and never heard from him again. He never reported back to the Sodders and they were unable to ever locate him. Now, listen to this real fast. Did he just take off with their money and roll? Mm-hmm. Or is it possible that he also, too, got Clintoned? That's what, yeah, that's the thing. That's what, like, a there's lot of been some, are there's been some conjecture about that where, yeah. where he maybe was on to something he shouldn't have been. And somebody, yeah. And somebody took him out. And now, yep. if you can, if you can make five children disappear, you can probably make some schlub detective yeah. disappear. Yep. You know what I mean? Just saying. Unfortunately, this took a pretty heavy toll on George, of course, because if the guy did take off, man, like, come on, you're a piece of yeah, shit. That sucks. Like, you're an absolute piece of Take shit. Take the fucking money. Yeah. And just... And that happens all the time. Oh, yeah. People just try to suck on to people that are in uh, mourning or have some kind of grief going on, and then right. try to capitalize off that. Try to make money off it. You are the worst type of yeah. human being if you do that. Fuck y'all, man. Yeah. So he said in an interview, this is from George, um, the, the following year, that the lack of information had been, quote, like hitting a rock wall, we can't go any further. Time is running out for us. Okay. He admitted in another interview around that time. Okay. So I'm assuming what he means is that we're all getting older, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like in, in any case, in disappearances or whatever, it's like, what is it? Uh, if they're not found within the first 24 hours? Yeah. Isn't that what it is? It's like, yeah, something like 24 that. or 48. 48. Well, yeah, there's a show, the first 48. Yeah. But that's I'm saying about, that's about like solving murders right. and stuff. I'm saying like, like children that have been kidnapped or whatever or, or have disappeared. Right. And if you don't find them within the first 24 hours or whatever, it's like, it goes way down. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ugh, it's so disheartening. I'm telling you. This is one of those stories, though, dude, that just holds with me. It always does and always has. So if they did not, or if they did die in the fire, we want to uh, want to be convinced. This is coming from George. Uh, we all, only want to know. Otherwise, we want to know what happened to them. And I, yeah, if they were unfortunately killed, 
give me some proof of yeah, that. Let yeah. me freaking grieve yeah. and be done with this. It's hard. It's hard to accept the fact that oh, their bones just burned to dust. Yeah, especially when there's evidence that that's probably not the case. Right. By people that are smart. And, yeah. yeah and, there are smart people out and there. And not a drunk shithead fucking chief. Anyway, I'm getting all pissed off here. So unfortunately, uh, Papa George would actually pass away a year later in 1969, believing that his children were never killed in that fire and they were still out there. After this, the rest of the family would continue to search and publicize the case. The only one that would not get involved was John. John believed that the family should just accept what happened and just move on with their lives. Jenny stayed in the family home. That's Mama Jenny. Stayed in the family home and built a fence around it and added rooms. From what I heard, she was just trying to, like, just basically boarding the, the world up uh, from, from herself. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. She was in su- such grief. In fact, she was in such grief. She actually wore black for the morning, uh, you know, for the morning of her children for the rest of her life mm-hmm. and tended the garden at the side of the former house. So, these are basically the facts as we know them that we've kind of, you know, confined. Since there's not much in the way of actual forensic evidence in this case, there's no way of telling for sure what happened as far as the children's bodies being burned, right? Right. Obviously, the investigation was quick, taking only two hours. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Two hours. Yeah. And there wasn't a ton of forensic detective work back then. No, they didn't. uh, They didn't know what forensics was. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't have any of that kind of stuff. And you're in Podunk, Lafayette, West Virginia. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in, in, in the 50s. I'm not saying it's maybe like that now, but back then, there were no really big towns in West Virginia I mean, at all. in the 1950s, even aside from like real major cities, like there wasn't really that many big cities anyways. Right. You know, not many cities were like, you know. Right. And obviously DNA wasn't a thing back then as well. Right. And just in general investigating wasn't, it just wasn't as thorough as it is these days. I mean. Especially in an area like that. Yeah. It's I not mean, like that. Small police force. They don't have like specialists to come in and do all that kind of shit at that time. And I actually looked for that to see how many people were on the police force at the time and I couldn't find anything. No. Yeah. I was looking to see if there was like, if it was like Mayberry or yeah, something. Yeah, there was like 10 people yeah, total. Should have put my bullet in, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shit. So the surviving Sodder children, joined by their own children, along with other Fayetteville residents, have theorized that the Sicilian Mafia was trying to extort money from George and the children may have been taken by someone who knew about the planned arson and said they would be safe if they left the house. I like this. This is the one I like. Yeah. This is the one where, like... It gives you hope. Well, yeah, it does. But it also kind of makes sense, especially with this. They were possibly taken back to Italy, okay? If the children had survived all those years and were aware that their parents and siblings had survived, too, the family believes they may have avoided contact in order to keep them from harm, right? Right. Right. So Sylvia Sodder Paxton, all right, the youngest of the surviving Sodder siblings, she unfortunately passed away just last year in 2021. Oh, She was in the house on the night of the fire, which she said was her earliest memory. Quote, I was the last one of the kids to leave home, she told the Gazette Mail in 2013. She and her father would stay up late talking about what might have happened. Quote, I experienced their grief for a long time. She believed that her siblings survived that night and assisted with efforts to find them and publicize the case. Her daughter said in 2016, quote, she promised my grandparents they wouldn't let the story die, that she would do everything she could. So, I mean... Yeah, it sucks that the youngest one is just passed away last year. Yep. So, <clears throat> I also read at some point in time too, and I don't think I put it in here for some reason that the reason that I believe that the children may have been um, taken away to protect them mm-hmm. is because they were out doing chores 
That's I mentioned that in here somewhere. Oh, okay. Is that still coming up then? Maybe. Yeah, it's not necessarily. Because oh yeah, it's coming right here. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Okay, I just I shot do, my I wad, do, folks. I do, I do mention that. <laughs> <laughs> I do that a lot, you know. <laughs> anyway, so George and Jenny, mom and dad here, they actually passed out flyers and put up a billboard on Route 16 in Fayetteville. The Siders purchased the billboard in 1952. I actually posted a picture of this on our social yeah, media yeah. yesterday. It featured black and white photographs of each missing child and an account of the fire with a $5,000 reward that was initially or then increased to $10,000. It was taken down shortly after Jenny's death in 1989. It read, quote, after 30 years, it's not too late to investigate. And I want to say, I've seen that damn billboard. Yeah. When I was a kid. You've driven by it? I've driven past that yeah. for sure. Well, I, at the time, I didn't drive, but I, mean, oh, yeah, I was been, in a car, right, right. but I've seen that billboard before. So that, that's where I'm kind of like, <gasps> yeah. you know, like I probably never even paid attention to what the hell it was. Right, and right. then knowing the story behind now it, you know. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. So what happened to the children if they didn't die in the fire? Damn it. Well, there's a few theories. Okay? Yeah. But of course, nothing solid. One of the biggest questions is how someone could abduct five children and nobody being woken up. Well, truecrimefiles.com says of that question, quote, one of the most puzzling questions is how the uh, actual alleged abduction took place. How did the kidnappers get or kidnapper get the five children out of the house? Considering the eldest sister, uh, Marion, right? Yeah. Was asleep on the sofa in the um, living room and the parents were uh, asleep in a bedroom less than 20 feet away. Surely at least one of the children would have made some noise, uh, had a stranger or even someone they, they knew come into the house and take them had taken them away. There is at least one scenario that may have happened that would solve this specific puzzle. One of the chores the two boys were told to do was to attend the family's handful of farm animals. It was basically like, I need you guys to go do this before you go to bed. Yeah, yeah. Right. On a side note, Marion, the oldest daughter, had been working at a dime store in downtown Fayetteville, and she surprised three of her youngest, uh, younger sisters, Martha, Jenny, and Betty, with new toys she had bought for them. The younger children were so excited that they asked their mother if they could stay up past what would have been their usual bedtime. Okay? Mm -hmm. So they're up later. Mm -hmm. They're hanging out, mm -hmm. doing what kids do on Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. not being able to sleep because Santa Claus is coming. Fuck yeah. And you want to see what I used to sneak out in the middle of the night and sleep under the uh, the Christmas tree. And then you'd wake up with presents around you? All around me. <laughs> Swear to God. It was awesome. Dude. One of my favorite things until I got older. Now that I'm 45, it doesn't work so well. No? Yeah. Usually I'm just passed out <laughs> at that point. In the Christmas tree. In the Christmas tree <laughs> with an empty bottle of booze next to me. <laughs> And this Santa Claus is bring me shit. Son of a bitch. So at 10 p.m., Jenny told them, uh, they could, Jenny, mom here, uh, that they could stay up a little later as long as the two old, eldest boys here, uh, who were still awake, 14-year-old Maurice and his 9-year-old brother Louis, remembered to put the cows in and feed the chickens before going to bed themselves, right? right. You got chores. You guys can stay up, but do this first. Yeah. Cool. Quote, this is again from uh, True Crime Files. It is possible that all five of the children left the house to perform these chores because the girls went or, went out to hang out with yeah, them. Play with their toys, go out and hang out. And I imagine it was probably snowy outside and it's eh, Christmas Eve. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, whatever. And, yeah. and, and, and what they believe is that they were taken once they were outside and away from the house. So this that's kind of where I'm at on that yeah, thing. Yeah, that seems very plausible. Yeah, because if, if you're not seeing anything and no one heard anything prior to this, you know... So I'm wondering if maybe someone got wind that George was or, or a, a something was going down. something was going to happen, yeah. And they wanted to get him out of there just in case. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's where I'm at on this. But then again, I don't know. But an even bigger question would be: Why would someone do this? 
Many people believe that it had to do with George's, uh, his background, mm -hmm. right? Like we said earlier, George immigrated <laughs> from Italy and changed his last name from Sadu to Sadr upon arrival. Nobody really knows why he came to America or the circumstances behind his immigration. He would never discuss the issues, and whenever it was brought up, he would just change the conversation. Yeah, he never wanted to talk about right. it. Right. That's kind of weird, right? Also, George owned a coal trucking business, and at the time, the coal industry was under a lot of pressure from the mafia. Yep. That, plus his little known, uh, or, or that, you know, and everything else is just little known about his past. And it has also led many people to speculate about mafia involvement in the crime. Yeah, that seems to be like the general prevailing theme. Yeah. Is a lot of people think it had something to do with the mafia. So another theory suggests the kids were abducted by an illegal child-selling agency similar to Georgia Tans with help from the local police. And remember that insurance guy George argued with? Yeah, I do. The guy that warned that their house would burn and the children sure. would vanish? Yeah. Yeah, he was also a member of the coroner's jury, which ruled the fire accidental. Oh, you know what? You say to yourself, how does something like that, how could something like you, that happen? You say to yourself, self. Self, how could something like that possibly be happening? All these people, right, they're in on some child abduction ring. Like, how do you get that many people in on it? Oh, I'm good. Yeah. I got to go to work. Oh, so? <laughs> I just offered him a beer. <laughs> a Miller High Life, thank you. Whoa, whoa, yeah. Woo! We're coming for you, High Life. <laughs> But right, 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 right. Yeah, so like, it doesn't seem like that's a plausible thing, right? I don't know. Is there perhaps an example? Oh! Yes. Really? Yes. Huh. For those of you wondering, for more than 20 years, Georgia Tan, that person we just mentioned, yeah. um, and I didn't know anything about this. Me either. Well, she ran the Tennessee Children's Home Society, where she and, elaborate, uh, and an elaborate network of co-conspirators um, kidnapped and abused children to sell them off to wealthy adoptive parents at a steep profit. What? Oh, so that's how it could work. That's just <laughs> insane, dude. As I was going through this, I'm just like, what the? What? I, what? I, I, told you in that, I told you in that text. I was like, dude, I added a cra crazy fucking story, man. Yeah, I'm just like, above? Because I was like, I'm like, when I first read that, they were like, oh, it could have been part of some child ring, blah, with all these people involved. I'm like, no. I'm like, come on. And yeah, that's I, not a real thing, right? So then I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to look who this Georgia Tan is. And then I was like, what? Well, she is the living embodiment, or was, of a piece of shit. Oh, absolutely. So this is uh, too crazy of a story to not talk about a little here, because if there was a network similar to this operating in that area, it seemed like another plausible theory. Okay. Uh, Beulah George Georgia Tan. Of course, her name was Beulah. Beulah. Beulah Ballbreaker. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's awesome. Porkies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, she was born in 1891 in Philadelphia, Mississippi. You Philadelphia, thought, Mississippi? You thought I was going to say Peninsylvania, didn't you? Peninsylvania? Yeah. Peninsylvania. Yeah. Named for her father, a powerful judge, she hoped to follow in his footsteps and practice law. Oh. Instead, her domineering father forbade it. Oh, and she instead pursued a career in social work, one of the few socially acceptable positions for a woman of her means. Also, just don't forbid your kids to do shit, because this is what happens. Y exactly. Yeah. <laughs> she first went to work in Mississippi, but she was soon fired for inappropriately removing children from impoverished homes without cause. Oh, my. Oh, I'm sorry. You're poor. You can't have children. Mm -hmm. She made her way to Texas, where it's believed she adopted her daughter, June, in 1922. Later, in 1923, she adopted Anne Atwood Hollinsworth, mm. a woman believed to be Tan's longtime same-sex partner. 
It was common at the time for same-sex couples to use adult adoption as a means of transferring property or inheritances. Uh, which is kind of crazy. Makes sense, though. You know what I mean? Like, me and you, you know what I'm saying? We're like, what's up? You know, and then I adopt you. And you're like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So Tan then moved on to Memphis, where her father used his political connections to secure a new job for her as executive secretary at the Memphis Memphis, Memphis branch Memphis. of the Tennessee Children's Home Society in 1922. By 1929, she had staged a takeover and named herself executive director. Oh, my. I mean, I will give her the fact that she's a ballsy bitch oh, like yeah. she is. Oh, yeah. And if anyone's like, oh, I can't believe he called her a bitch, just wait. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Tan's scheme coincided with a sharp increase in families looking to adopt kids. Oh, my. All right. There you go. Find a need, fill a need, right? Fucking A right, man. <laughs> it's the American way. Yeah. Yeah. In the 1900s and 1910s, formalized adoptions were fairly rare. But in the 1920s, adoption began to be marketed as a shortcut to, say, societal improvement. And yeah, back in the day, if people had kids and didn't want to be like, I, uh, you won't take him? Well, there's that picture, man, from the Great Depression where there's like a lady... And like I, I've I've done a little bit of research on it to see like how true it was or whatever, but there's like a picture of a lady sitting on a porch with her kids, and it says like kids for sale. There's like a sign out there. She's got like a sign that says like kids for sale. And yeah, shit. I mean, because like people would sell their fucking kids, dude. They were basically your kids. Yeah, you know what I mean. So you could do whatever the hell you wanted with them, but you could also beat the shit out of them too without any kind of recourse. You know. I mean, you can still do that, but no, Moody, you can't. No. What? You you can't do that. You, oh. Yeah, no, 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 no. I have a book for you to read. It's called Laws in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't beat my children. It's a, a joke, ongoing joke. He loves his children very much, most days. Well. <laughs> most days. So according to one ad from the National Home Finding Society, adopting would, quote, reduce divorces, banditry, murder, and control births, fill all the oh churches, boy. and do real missionary work at Woo. home and abroad, exchanging immigrants for Americans and stopping some of the road leading to war. Oh, my. Hot damn. Dude, adoption sounds like the shit. I know. We don't need them. It's going to solve all our problems. We're just going to have more Americans making more <laughs> Americans, man. That's it. So stupid. At like the time... A, it's like a fucking miracle cure. Yeah, it's so dumb. At the time, the theory of eugenics, that is the controlling of the reproduction of genetically inferior people through sterilization, Ooh. not good, was popular. Because, you know, Hitler. Yeah. You know, we've, we've had... Yeah. We've had a pretty rough go of it sometimes. United yeah. States, we've done some pretty shitty shit. Oh, everyone, dude, all everyone's done shitty yeah, shit. Yeah, but I'm just saying, it's like, people terrible, like to cast dude. stones and be like, oh, the Nazis. Well, oh, no. I mean, we've done plenty of shit to our own that is yeah. definitely not. I mean, you know, we did stuff like you know, with the Native Americans and, you know. I mean, none of us are are, are, are innocent in this. Not us, as in, I'm saying our, our histories. No, absolutely. Our histories are full of shit that hopefully we learn from. Damn it. It's what this show's about, right? Learning. I mean, we, we obviously we haven't, but. <laughs> <laughs> Not very well. So anyway, the movement claimed that people of better genetic endowment were subject subject to greater infertility. It became important in adoption not just to get babies, but to get the best babies. A campaign to explain the superiority of adoption was launched. It's like they're... Well, think it's, it's like kind of the Tennessee, same thing now. Tennessee Children's Home, we've got the best babies. Right. But it's kind of the same now where these people are, are like you can oh, genetically... designer babies, yeah. man. You can, That's ridiculous. Yeah, if you want your kid to have blue eyes. Dude, fuck you, man. Or even going, let's go even further. I hate that shit. Lower, I'm sorry. Lower than that, that though. Like, it, it's, uh, uh, like if women want to go and they want to have a child, if they can't 
like their husband can or whatever. They, they will look at... choose. You can choose what the father Ooh, is. Ooh, I want that guy. Right. Oh, you mean he's a rocket scientist? He must be smart. Donate. People be like flipping through be like, what's this guy? Oh, yeah, fuck that guy. Yeah, just, <laughs> just looking through it. Oh, wait, this guy's a podcaster? <laughs> <laughs> oh, baby. No discernible skills, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bald, <laughs> drinks too much. <laughs> Musician and podcaster. Sign me up. <laughs> I don't know how I have kids. I don't. I have no idea. Anyway, so this new outlook Cause, along... Because there's a lot of dumb women out there. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> and this new outlook along with the popular, uh, popularization of baby formula helped oh. Tan's baby trafficking business grow. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. S- right? Suddenly, non-nursing mothers could easily and affordably feed their babies. Okay. Yeah, there you go. The demand for adoptable infants rose, especially among busy, successful women. Right? Sure. Find a need, fill a need. Fucking A. Tan was calculated in her approach and targeted the rich and famous who paid premium prices for their adopted children. Actors, authors, and entertainers, including oh. Dick Powell and June Allison, Lana Turner, Pearl S. Buck, Smiley Burnett, and New York Governor Herbert Lehman, all adopted tan babies. And the only one I knew in the entire wow. thing was Lana Turner. Lana Turner, yeah, that's me it. too. That's the only one I knew. In Some 19- guy named Smiley, that's pretty sweet. Smiley Burnett. I gotta find, I gotta see who that <laughs> is. <laughs> is there some vaudeville guy? Yeah. In 1947. Smiley Burnett. Smiley Burnett, yeah. In 1947, Joan Crawford, okay, famous actress. Sure. Adopted twins, Kathy and Cindy, from old tan here. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, so she was, she was quite popular. Stealing children wasn't a small side business. During the 21 years Tan ran the Children's Home Society, it's believed she made more than $1 million from taking and selling children. Yeah, it's not too bad, right? That doesn't sound horrible. Well, in today's money, it's uh, over $11 million. Wow. By stealing and selling children. And she didn't do it alone. Tan's extensive trial, uh, child trafficking operation required connections, and she quickly linked up with E.H. Oh, E.H. Like Boss Crump. Let me see. What does he look like? Yeah. I was trying to say a name, and you just inter- fucking erupted. Sorry, me. I do that a lot. I apologize. Yeah, you fucking do. Does he look familiar to you? He, he looks like a prospector. I don't know. <laughs> well, he's like an old... I know, right? He was in a bunch of movies with like Gene Autry and shit. Oh, okay. So he's like a sidekick? Yeah, he's... He was an actor and a music performer, uh, playing sidekick to Gene Autry, Roy Rogers, and other B-movie cowboys. He was the 1940s uh, John Lovitz. <laughs> That's what he God, looks like. John Lovitz is amazing. He's so good. So anyway, he, she ended up hooking up with this guy named E.H. Boss Crump, who ran a powerful Tennessee political p- machine. <laughs> Crump. Crump. Boss. I like that. Boss Crump. Boss Crump. Crump offered tan protections in, ex- uh, in, uh, in exchange for kickbacks. Okay. Sure. So she's going, he's going to help her. Kidnap children so and sell them, money. and he's going to get a little bit on the backside. Yeah. Right. So to kidnap and traffic her victims, Tan paid off a network of social workers, police officers, doctors, and lawyers. Some kidnapped children from preschools, churches, and playgrounds for her. Kidnappers preyed on poor children and families who didn't have the means to fight back. Tan's co-conspirators were authority figures, people not to be contradicted. So children often went with them willingly. Sometimes Tam would approach families and offer medical or other help. Tam would tell parents she could get their children into a clinic at no cost, but if they came along as well, they'd be charged a large bill. And if you can't afford that, oh, my baby needs help. Well, there goes the baby. Mm-hmm. 
In the era before internet and with very few phones, Tan relied on her network of spotters. They alerted Tan to children on riverbanks, in shanty towns, and walking home from school. She drove up in her big black car and offered them rides. Tan was also in cahoots with a local judge who helped procure children, specifically from impoverished single or widowed mothers. Remember, she got in trouble for doing that over in, uh, where was it she was at uh, earlier? Texas. Texas. No, it was before that. It doesn't matter. It was in Texas. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Okay, maybe it was Texas. Anyway, so she knows the ins and outs of how to do that. One of her most uh, high-profile co-conspirators was Judge Camille Kelly, who presided over the juvenile court in Shelby County, Tennessee, for 30 years. He was a judge for the juvie courts. Yep. You know what happens in juvie courts? Kids come in there. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Sure. Quote, she had a stooge down in the welfare department when someone would apply for assistance. This person would get their name and get in touch with Camille Kelly. Robert Taylor, an investigator, said in a 1992 interview with 60 Minutes. That is insane to me that I don't know about this. Dude, especially given the fact that all these like famous people were like got kids from this lady and like you know And they were they were most likely kidnapped. Yeah. In 1950, Taylor, a local lawyer, was asked by newly elected governor Gordon Browning to do an in-depth investigation into children's home society and Tan. Quote, Camille Kelly would send a deputy out to pick them up and award custody to Georgia Tan, he added. Tennessee law required children to be adopted in a state fee for, uh, you guys ready for this? About $7. That's all it cost? That's all it cost. About 75 bucks today. Oh. Yeah. But Tan moved her, quote, merchandise at $1,000 per head. That's right around $10,000 per which baby. Is a, which is not that far off from what it costs to get a, adopt a kid these days. It's fucking super. It's super it's probably expensive. probably way more than that at this point. And you have to go through so yeah. much litigation yeah, and just uh, paperwork and yada, yada. But do that, seriously, Crazy, folks. If you man. can't have kids, adopt them. Yeah, seriously. Man. I mean, they're they out there. Homes. They need they, yeah, My absolutely. wife was adopted. Yeah? Yeah. Aw. I knew that. Yeah. I don't know why I said aw, but, <laughs> but still, aw. <laughs> When the state finally investigated uh, the, uh, when they investigated the report on the Children's Home Society here, the Browning report found that the uh, that Tan conducted private adoptions and pocketed up to ninety percent of the fee. She would gouge prospective parents on everything from travel costs to home visits and attorney fees. So if she's charging a thousand dollars per child, she's keeping nine hundred of that. Yeah, on her own. <laughs> she's such a dick. Ugh. The report also detailed how children were then spirited away from the home society in the middle of the night to avoid detection by authorities who weren't in the know or others who might ask too many questions. Her nurses, in quotations here, had regular circuits to New York and California, though she shipped to all U.S. states and Great Britain. Doesn't this sound like something that's alleged kind of now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the whole, like the Clintons and all these people. And I said alleged. I said alleged. No, yeah, like all those, all the weird stuff. Like, was it uh, Pizzagate? Yeah, all that weird. All like, that, where, like, these kids are being well, trafficked? I mean, look, at they're finding child, they're finding, like, human trafficking rings constantly now. Like, you read about it every day. There's, oh, they're like, everywhere. They, they find, like, 300 people arrested in human trafficking. It's like, what the fuck, You dude? remember the, uh, what was it, the, was it the Chinese lady that we talked about that's from not too long ago that had, like, a huge ring? The pirate one. We talked about the pirates. Uh, I wasn't here for that one. Well, did you listen to it? No. <laughs> I didn't hear that. I told you I don't. I can't listen as much as I used to. Oh. I get to him eventually, but well, that's because I don't listen to him at work like I used to. Well, anyway, yeah. So there was a, a woman that just recently, like within the last, like, I don't know, ten, fifteen, whatever years, was yeah. found to, to have a huge yeah. mm-hmm. ring. 
You know, and it's just why, why? <laughs> Fucking, you're already a psycho, and then money makes you do crazy shit. Uh, it's so just uh, I don't get it. So elaborate backstories were added to stolen children's files to on make a them side more. Note, on a side note, be happy if you have an ugly child, because <laughs> no one's gonna take him then. Well, that's fucked up. It's true though. Is that why I stayed with my mom? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, me too. That's why I had my parents. I didn't want kidnap me. I was a handsome child. I'm sure you were. No, I had a big old nugget on me. Did you? Didn't have hair until I was, I was four. A, I was an adorable kid, and then I fucking... No, I was a cute, I cute kid. In, I turned into this giant mess. But I looked like... Uh, remember the movie Powder? <laughs> that was me. Except fat. <laughs> you have fat powder. I was a fat powder. <laughs> yeah. That was me. Oh, I like was fucking, so pale. Like fucking marshmallow, man. Yeah, I was so pale. I mean, I wasn't fat. I was just <laughs> chunky. You know what I mean? I was a chunky little kid. Had a big old nugget on me, and I was ghost white. <laughs> ghost white. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I my mother like, stole me. I would have been like Hitler's dream child, dude. Fucking like almost white hair, blue eyes. Like, oh, he would have loved me. Ugh. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. So elaborate backstories were added to stolen children's files to make them more marketable. Their files said they came from good homes with oh. very attractive young mothers. Oh. Fathers were described as intelligent oh, and good, often good. in medical school. Oh, good. Of course. Right. Oh. I mean, obviously, although they That's just you want. they just picked up the kid five minutes before on the way to this person's house. Right. And wrote it down on a piece wrote of it down. paper. Yeah. That's all it was. Tan also knew how to capitalize on opportunities in the adoption market. Oh, good. Few agencies adopted to Jewish families. Oh. Which is horrible. Fucked up. Yeah. It's so fucked up. Uh, um. Okay, another side note here. We do that a lot. <laughs> Derail. But I'm uh, talking about the, uh, the 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 time suck episode where yeah. he's talking about uh, um, the Holocaust. Yeah. And the whole like anti-Jew thing over there, and you right. know, which is what it was. Um, a lot of that, not to the same extent, was happening over here as well too. Like we had this real big like um, uh, what is it, anti-Semitism thing over here, like bad. Yeah. So I mean, I was I didn't really know that. I guess. You know, because yeah, like, you, I mean, you don't really hear about it. Yeah, and it sucks. Do better, people. Anyway, seriously. So anyway, they a lot of places didn't adopt to Jewish families, and Tan saw her. You know, she saw some money. So a few pen strokes money, turned money, a southern money, <laughs> turned a southern Baptist child into a baby from a good Jewish family. As the Children's Home Society scandal was exposed, the scenario played out in the adoption records over and over and over again. If parents, biological or adoptive, ask too many questions about children, Tan threatened to have them arrested or the child removed. She was known for, quote, repossessing children whose adoptive parents couldn't make full payments on time. And she wasn't above blackmailing customers for more money later. That is fucked up. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, we just adopted this child from you. Uh, you said that it was a nice Jewish child. Um... How do I say this? Um, she's she's kind of, you know, a d- different color. <laughs> you hear the background. Epa, epa! <laughs> Doesn't really look Jewish. I'm pretty sure he, she's Mexican, um, okay? Look, you know what? If you're going to ask questions, we're just going to come take Right, we're, we're going to take the baby away. That's, That's what it. we're going to do. That's it. But she does, but I'm just, because it doesn't really look. All right, fine. I'll call the cops. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, and just take the baby away. Yeah, we'll just, just take the baby. What the fuck? We'll just take it back. Uh, so often she would return to adopt parents months later and say relatives of the child had come around asking for the baby's return. But for a hefty fee, she had lawyers who could make the situation go away. Oh, of course. Yeah. Like, Look, listen, you I, just give me another $1,000 right. and I'll make it go away. You don't have to worry about anything. Right. 
Homes for unwed mothers, welfare hospitals, and prisons were targeted. Doctors working with Tan told new mothers their babies had died during birth. Those children were, quote, buried at no cost to the families. That's fucked up. That is super fucked up. So what a terrible fucking thing, man. So you're going to tell somebody that they had a child who passed away. And then give it to somebody. But we, listen, from the kindness of our hearts, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and bury the, the baby. At no cost. At no cost to you whatsoever. And then go and sell the baby and to somebody else. And then they go else. and sell the baby. That yeah. is just fucking baffling to me, dude. This whole thing is fucking baffling to me. I know, it's crazy. Oh my God. Other mothers were coerced into signing their children away while still under sedation from labor. Tan preyed on women's desperation, their poverty, and their sense of shame. What in the fuck? I hope she is burning yeah, like in single, the fiery depths of hell. no one wanted to be like, you know, if you were a single mother back then, like, oh, oh, right, no. right, but not only that, but you're sedated still, so you're like, okay. And then she's like, you know, like, look, if you don't want people to know about this, we can make it. Right. We'll make it go away. Everything will be fine, like. Quote, if they were unsedated and tried to uh, hold on to the babies after the baby was born, then Georgia Tam would step in and say, well, you don't want people in your hometown to know about your pregnancy, do you? Robert Taylor, a lawyer who investigated the Tennessee Children's Home Society scandal for Governor Gordon Browning, said in his 1992 60 Minutes interview, what a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. By the 1930s, as a result, as a result of Tan's scam, Memphis had the highest infant mortality rate in the U.S. They weren't actually fucking dying, though. Right. They were being stolen. Yep. God. Oh. That's fucking crazy, dude. You have no idea how fired up I am on this fucking episode, dude. Oh, I mean, it, it, it hasn't happened in a while. So well, thank you. I'm glad I, I could do it. that for you. The show's still alive. Yeah. Got that fire in my yeah. belly. Yeah. But fuck this bitch. Probably heartburn. It, yeah. <laughs> By the 1930s, as a result of Tan Scam, again, the highest mortality rate, uh, archives of the Benjamin Hooks Library in Memphis reveal some of the cruelties children were subjected to. Babies were kept in sweltering conditions, and some children were drugged to keep them quiet until they were sold. Dear God. Well, I mean, a little diamond tap. <laughs> a little Benadryl yeah. from sleep. No. Oh, you, oh, your gums hurt? Oh. My dad sure. used Jack Daniels. A little whiskey on there? I swear to God. Rub a, little, rub a little whiskey on the gums. Yep. Not only does it feel better, but guess what? Shut you up. I went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Say night-night. But seriously. And who would have thought you'd turn into such an alcoholic today? <laughs> I have no idea what you mean <laughs> as I grab my <laughs> Miller High Life. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, yeah, they were drugged. They were just other children were actually hung in dark closets, beaten, or put on starvation rations how the fuck do you, for a week they, at a time. They hung children in dark clo like how do they do that? Uh, uh, they put them in like a little swing or something and just like set them in a dark maybe, closet, maybe, like, or just I don't know, put I mean, a hanger through their I, shirt. And yeah, just put like, them up and like, that's what I'm like. Yeah, I'm like, know. you get that visual, like you open your closet, just like hey, baby, baby, baby. <laughs> oh, there's my shirt. Like white what, baby, like, black what? baby, Chinese baby, Mexican baby. Yeah, there's the Jewish baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quote, unquote. Quote, unquote, Jewish. Jewish. Yes, 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 yes. Of course. So drug addicts and pedophiles were actually hired to watch over them. So that's oh, fun. Of course. Of that's course. fun. Yeah. According, I mean, why, why hire someone that really knows what they're doing right, when you can hire a crackhead right. for, uh, Absolutely. for a, a dollar a day? Absolutely. And the pedophiles, I mean, who loves children more, right? I know. <laughs> of course they're going to take good care of them. God damn it. I hate this. So according to the baby thief, the untold story of Georgia Tan, the baby seller who corrupted adoption, sexual abuse was a common occurrence at the home. Tan was br uh, brutally unsparing in her cruelty. 
Former Home Society employees revealed to Taylor that if, and that's the guy that wrote that, or that in the interview for uh, 60 Minutes, excuse me, that an if, if an infant was deemed too weak, and this is fucked up, folks, I'm sorry, it might be left in the sun to die. God damn this. If a child had a congenital disability or was considered too ugly or too old to be of use, Tan had people get rid of them. Many were buried on the property, uh, property, though about 20 children were buried in an unmarked plot of land within Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis. Jesus Christmas. In the 1940s, Tan developed a new pub- publicity stunt here. All right. You guys ready for this one? <laughs> oh, this, is, this, huh. this fucking guys, You guys ready? Well, quote, they would raffle 20 or 30 babies off every year in the Christmas baby giveaway in the newspaper. Yeah. Sure they did. Yep. For a for twenty five dollars a ticket, about three hundred and fifty dollars today, purchase today. today purchasers could buy as many raffle tickets as they liked. Yeah, so you could you you could, if you had the money yeah. and you wanted a, a buy baby, a couple of raffle tickets. See, yeah. if you, see if you can win yourself a step right up, folks. Come on over. Who's got ticket number Mexican baby? Who's got ticket number five four three? One, zero, two, nine. Shit! Oh. Sorry, baby. No baby this year. Damn it. Sorry. So fucking horrible. Sorry, honey. So Tan pocketed thousands of dollars that ticket holders assumed went to the home society and had to give away just a fraction of her merchandise yeah. in the process. Yes, by merchandise, and you can't see me doing the hanger hanger quotes, but those are the fucking babies. Yep. <sighs> Tan's baby selling scheme carried an unabated, uh, or carried on unabated for over two decades, two decades. Okay, but in 1949, things took a turn. Tennis- Tennessee elected a new governor, Gordon Browning. Yeah, good for them. Weakened E. H. Crump, uh, Tan's crony. You know, boss Crump. Boss Crump. Boss Crump. <laughs> you, you get them, get them, boys. <laughs> Tan's crony lost his hold on the Memphis politics here. Uh-oh. Okay, okay. Uh oh, it's all gonna come crashing down. Yeah. On September 12, 1950, Governor Browning held a press conference during which he revealed Tan and her network managed to amass more than $1 million, again, almost $11 million today or over, but Tan was never <clears throat> held accountable. Dude, okay, I understand that that pisses you off, but there's a reason for that. But wait, like, <laughs> just keep, never mind, just keep going. Yeah, keep going. I, I got it. I so that's, it. that right there is frustrating, but obviously you'll find out why she was never held accountable. Okay, so but. let's do it like this. The bad news is, Tan was never held accountable. The good news is... She died three days later. <laughs> Yay! Woo! Apparently there was some weird shit around her death, too. I don't give a shit. I'm just saying. Yeah, she died at home after slipping into a mysterious coma from yeah. untreated uterine cancer. But they apparently... I did a little bit more looking on that, and apparently like, there's some really... I guess the... the <laughs> The fact that she slipped into a coma and like what happened, like there's some like weird shit around that. They think that that was like somebody, like either to keep her quiet or to do something. Like oh, there could have been somebody else on the higher up that just got maybe, her. Maybe or like somebody that was involved with her. Like didn't want her. Didn't want her. She talking. was Epstein. Maybe. Oh, that's what some people think. Yeah. So. How ironic is it though that she, uh, you know, stole all these babies and, and, and manipulated all these mothers, uterine and she died cancer? from uterine cancer? Yeah, yeah. burn in hell, you fucking bitch! On November eleventh, nineteen fifty, Judge Camille Kelly, who had worked so closely with Tan, quietly resigned. 
Mm-hmm. She just stepped away. Mm-hmm. It took until late November or early December to find safe homes for the remaining children. Somewhere in the uh, waning days of 1950, the doors to the Tennessee Children's Home Society were closed for good. No one, <clears throat> and get this, this is, no one. This is what I was talking this, this fucking blew my mind and it pisses me off to no end. No one was ever prosecuted for their roles in the black market baby ring. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. Throwing up right now. She died and then nobody else was ever held accountable. That is, I, I, okay, A, I've never heard of this before. This, yeah, it's fucking nuts. B, it's fucking infuriating. Yep. C, this should be way well more well known. Yep. And can we fucking bury her back up and just fucking shove something, I don't know, somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's all dust and bones now, but whatever. Yeah, well. Yeah, fuck. Anyway, so we know that that was quite a tangent there because we're talking about the Sodder children, but the reason we wanted to talk about that is because it is a possibility. That's, there's a there's a theory a lot of people think that there was something similar to that possibly happening in that area, and right. that's what happened to the children. And, I mean, and to be honest, let's just say hypothetically, so the, the fire happened in 1954. Right. She got popped and died in, like, what, 1950? Something like that. Like Wasn't it like 1950? 49, maybe? Somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 1950. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's four years later. Yeah. And let's just say somebody knocked her off, and the other people didn't get in trouble for anything. It could have been going on still. Never know. And if the mafia is involved, let's just say that they had a hand in this too. Who knows, man, yeah, how this fucking thing would... You could probably go down a fucking stupid <clears throat> rabbit hole on sure. this. My God. Yeah, so that's like... It was crazy because I'm like... I'm looking at that. They're like, oh, like I was reading the thing about like some people think that it could have been a children... A child like uh, abduction ring like just Georgia Tan. I'm like, fuck is Georgia Tan? Like, what is that all about? Right. Because I never heard the name before. I'm like, I feel like if that was a big thing, like I would have known. And then I like... So I fucking, of course, I had to go look, and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? I'm like, I got to yeah, put this in here. That is absolutely just because a, really, a baffling. And, and it's like, because you think about it, you're like, there's no way. There's no way that, they, that anyone could get away with that. With all this, well, You'd have to have so many connections, blah, blah, blah. And then you fucking read that, and you're like, that's a fucking possibility. For two decades, yeah. that happened. For yeah. two fucking decades. Just disgustingly, just horrid, and damn you for yep. your fine work, sir. Damn you to hell. <laughs> so what do you think? What What is your, I guess, what are you leaning towards when it comes to the Sodder children? Like, what seems know, the most man. plausible to I don't you? Know. Do you I, think they burned up? No. Okay. I agree. Um, 100% agree. I, I think there's always that, I guess there's always that possibility, but I just don't, from, from doing the research about, you know, bones and house fires and all that, so like, I just, I don't think so. And, uh, I personally think the most plausible theory has something to do with the mafia being involved. Do you think that they were, obviously if they didn't die in there, do you think that they were, um, uh, um, uh, I, I guess, displaced or, uh, or turn, put someplace else? Or do you think that they were killed? I don't know. I, I don't know if they were killed. Um, I, I feel like, I almost feel like maybe that... I. I I guess overall, I feel like maybe that they were all supposed to die, right? And then perhaps whoever was there that night to do the fire saw the children outside doing like their chores or whatever, possibly like they were talking about. And we're like, hmm, I'm going to take them and maybe, then I'll burn the house down. Maybe you took them because they were witnesses. 
Maybe. Ooh, I didn't even think about that. Like if they were outside doing chores and the guy didn't see him, so, or whoever was there didn't see and him. And also they look over and see these five kids hanging outside doing chores like, fuck. And they took the kid. Like, who? I don't know, man. It's fucking weird. It's just a weird case. Now, I guess my final question um, on this is, do you think it could have potentially been aliens? Yes. Yes? Absolutely. That's kind of what I figured All right, so on the movies today, we are going back to Ranker.com. I do like Ranker. I like yeah, these. They, they give you stuff. they give you a little more info, a little, little more details. So we are going to be talking about the best movies about kidnapping. Yeah. Yeah, kidnapping movies. Yeah. We all like a good kidnapping movie, but we like it when it turns out well, right? Yeah. When, 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 when the dad just goes, I'll find you. I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> and I will make you pay. <laughs> so, that was a really horrible uh, Liam Neeson accent. It I, was terrible. I can figure it out. There it is. It's a little better. Yeah. It's gruffier. Hold on. I think it's more like this. <laughs> is that better? You have to work on that. Damn it. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, these are the uh, the top films on uh, disappearances, right? Or uh, kidnappings. Excuse kidnapping, me. Kidnapping, yeah. All right, Kidnapping so we're, and abduction. We're going to start at number 10. And um, I'll, actually, you know what? Let's start Start looking at number 13. That feels yeah, fun. Yeah. That feels fun. good. Even though number 14 is uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. Okay. Which, is that John uh, Goodman? It is John Goodman. That is part of the whole Cloverfield thing. I with, guess I got a new one of those in the works, too. Do they really? Yeah. <sighs> the first one I wasn't a fan of. I, I don't like, like that whole... I hate found footage movies. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm not a... I don't mind them, but that one was just like jumpy as shit. I'm trying to watch it like, I'm getting seasick here. I'm getting a bit woozy here. So anyway, that's number 14. Number 13 on this is Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events, obviously starring Jim Carrey, right? So we, I've never seen that movie, but there's a series on Netflix. With, um... Neil Patrick Harris. Thank you, yes. And my kids watched it. We watched the whole thing. It's actually really fucking good, man. I'm a huge Neil Patrick Harris fan. Yeah. I love him, love him, love him, love him. I think he's so freaking funny. I mean, but then again, I was also a fan of Doogie Howser when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. I used to watch that every week yeah. when it came out on TV. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. I haven't seen the TV show, but the movie's, good. movie's pretty good. The TV show's awesome. Yeah. Uh, number 12, Alpha Dog. This movie's fucked up. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. It's a good movie. Um, Bruce Willis, Emily Hirsch, Justin Timberlake. Uh, this is the one that uh, where they kidnap the kid, and they're trying just to, like, as a ransom or whatever. And it, it it gets it gets rough. I've heard I've heard of it. I've no, yeah, yeah I've never seen it, but it gets it gets rough. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Uh, number eleven, I have not seen, and I've heard mixed reviews about this. The girl with the dragon tattoo. I haven't seen it. Either. Yeah, I've heard like don't they have like twelve of those movies out now? Uh, there's at least three. I know it's like a trilogy kind of. Okay. I don't know if there's more than that or not. And it's uh, actually directed by Niels Arden Oplev. Okay. Niels Arden Oplev. Sure. I don't know if he's even. Whatever <laughs> dialect that was. Uh, number 10. Love this movie. And this was actually on a recent one of our lists. This is Fargo. Ah. Yeah, from the Coen brothers, right? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's so awesome. It's got Fra- Francis McDormand, oh, one of my favorites, Steve Buscemi. Yep. And William it. H. Macy's William in it. William H. Macy. Love and him too. Uh, what's his name's in it, too? Um, I can't think Steve, of Tom. Yes, sure. Both of those guys? Yeah, both of them. Wow. Uh, number nine, uh, Along Came a Spider. I love this one, too. Is that uh, Morgan Freeman? It is. And is that... Morgan uh, Freeman. 
Who's the girl in that? Is that fucking... That would be... Uh, da, 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 da. Hold on, hold on. I don't know why it doesn't say her name on this. Uh, Monica Potter? That's not who I thought oh, you know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking Kiss the Girls. Th- those all came from a series of books. Yeah. So Along Came a Spider, Kiss the Girls, and there was one more, I believe, maybe two more. But this is the one with Monica Potter. Okay. Yeah. And if you saw her, you know who she is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I remember the movie. I've seen the movie. But it's Morgan Freeman where he plays movie. like the detective yeah, guy Yeah, he's there. like a detective. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Um, oh, hey, speaking of, number eight, Kiss the Girls. Hey! Hey, speaking of, uh, this is Ashley Judd. That's what I'm thinking of. I was thinking of Ashley Judd. Yes, who we uh, we actually just talked about um, her mother just uh, passing away. Yeah. Unfortunately, she, unfortunately she, um, she ended her own life. Did she? Yeah, she I did. I didn't know that. Uh, there's no real details on it yet. Okay. But she ended her own life. I guess she shot herself. Ugh. Yeah, she was probably having some sort of like health issues health or issues something like or that. Something. Yeah, and just said, fuck it, go that out on your own. Man. Oh, wait. Hold on. About time they start doing this. It is number 582 of 1,436 of the most oh. rewatchable movies. Were the other the other ones didn't have anything on them? No, they did okay. not. For some reason. It's weird. Even Fargo didn't have that. Yeah, you'd figure that'd be on something. Right. Uh, number 18 of 249 of the best whodunit movies. Oh. That's pretty good. And number 14 of 25 of great movies about serial killers that are totally dramatic. Very nice. Pretty long-winded. Interesting uh, list. <laughs> What is the what is the number one on that it's one? It's gotta hold be on. like seven or something. Yeah, uh, hold on, I'll, I'll just look real fast. Ooh, it's actually the Silence of the Lambs. Hello, Clary. <laughs> 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 Fucking love that movie too. I ate his liver <laughs> with some fava beans and, and a nice candy. Uh, number seven, Extraction. Never heard of it. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Oh, oh, I have seen this. That's uh, Thor, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have seen this one. It's pretty good. He's like a, uh, what do you call those? A where you're like you're a military dude, but you like kind of work for seal? your own. No, you work for yourself, kind of thing. Like a mercenary. Mercenary. Thank you. Yeah. And he was paid to go and save this girl or whatever. No. Yeah, it's actually a really good movie. Okay. I mean, it's freaking above Kiss the Girls, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also has uh, Patrick Nawali and Raina Campbell. Don't know who that is. Nope. Number six, Prisoners. Nope. Uh, I've heard of this. I heard it was pretty good. It's Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal. And Viola Davis. Sounds like a solid cast. Yeah. Uh, number five on our list is Taken Two. Oh, yes. Taken Two. Taken Two. I used to play Tekken Two all the time. Take it, not Tekken. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love Tekken. Tekken was one of my favorites, dude. Love that. Uh, obviously, Liam Neeson, <laughs> where his daughter gets again kidnapped again. <laughs> Yet again. Stop going anywhere. <laughs> Just stay home. Yeah. This is uh, number 155 of 186 of the best movie sequels ever made. Wow. Number 46. What's of number the- one on the best movie sequels ever made? You know what it is. If it's not I'm aliens. not even looking is right it now. aliens? No. I'm going to say it's uh, it's got to be Star Wars. Oh, yeah, maybe. I know you hate Star Wars, but it is. Oh. Well, shock me right in the pooper. It's The Dark Knight. Really? Yeah. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Good movie, though. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, it's also number 46 of 90, the greatest movies about CIA agents and operatives. Oh, okay. Number 29 of 104 of the best kidnapping and hostage movies of all time. There you go. Okay. Uh, number four on our list, The Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Hello, Clarice. <laughs> it's like deja vu all over again. <laughs> uh, number three is uh, Man on Fire. It's, that's a good one. Is that Denzel? Uh, yeah, Denzel, man. I haven't seen that one, but I know the movie. Yeah, with a little Dakota Fanning. Yeah. And the one and only Christopher Walken. Hey! Wow! <laughs> I was I was in this movie. 
It's, it's a great movie. Who's your favorite band? Mine? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I set you up for the I set, me up. set you up for the food oh, fighter. You, you did it. too. Oh, I fucked that up. Yeah. Sorry. Gosh. I haven't done the I haven't done the walking in a while. Foo fighters. Foo fighters. <laughs> Uh, so this is number two oh nine of uh, five sixty or five. <laughs> my eyes five fifty two. The greatest of the greatest epic movies ever made. Okay, damn, that's pretty good on a fucking list. Wow. All right, I gotta see what number one is on that one. The greatest epic. It's gonna be like Ishtar or some shit. Ishtar. <laughs> just, it's gonna be one of those random. Why the fuck? That's like the worst movie ever. I'm made. I'm just saying it's gonna be one of those random like oh like Cleopatra or some shit. It is. The Lord of the Rings: The Return of the King. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I, I figured it would be one of those old school yeah. ones, man. It's also like one twenty. Yeah, right. It should have been. Ben Hur is amazing. It is a good movie. Yeah, not the remake. <clears throat> no, no, no. The original, Charlton Heston. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, also number one twenty-five of four fifty-one of the best movies for guys. Six. Which movie is this? Where are we talking man about on again? fire. Oh, that's right. Okay. This man is on fire. Oh Sorry. Um, number one hundred two of two uh, two seventy-seven of the top tearjerker movies that make men cry. I, I'm gonna have to see this movie. I've never seen it. I know the movie, but I've never seen it. All right, what's number one on this one? I gotta see this. <laughs> Movies that make men cry? Yeah. Braveheart? It's gonna be fucking or the Green Mile. It better not be fucking Braveheart. I hate that movie. Ugh. Oh, the Green Mile, that's a good one. That one made that dude, yeah. I don't tear up in a lot of movies that fucking That was rough. I read those books when I was younger. And yeah. reading the books, dude, I was like, Oh my god, this is yeah. terrible. The Green Mile's so good. All right, let's see. Number one on this list is the Green Mile. Fucking A-Ride. Good knew job. You definitely get one of those. Yeah. That movie's so damn you know good. How, you know how I knew? Uh. Because I'm a fucking man, and it made me tear up. Because <laughs> I'm a man. That's one of the only ones. That's one of the only movies that I've ever just like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, it's uh. if you guys haven't seen that one, first of all, something's wrong with you. Second of all, go watch it. So good, dude. Number two. Yeah. Taken. <laughs> the worst voice ever. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it sounds pretty good. It's terrible. I have a certain set of skills. <laughs> no, I got to work on no, that. I'll, I'll work on that. I was trying not to laugh at the same time. <laughs> of course, Liam Neeson doesn't even say any <laughs> list that it's on right now. All right. However, it is available on Prime Video, Hulu, Tubi, iTunes Store, and Voodoo. Very nice. Very nice. Anyway, and number one on our list. <laughs> it's Misery. Ooh! Wow, I was not expecting that. That's a solid movie, though. Yeah. Holy that, shit! I, I that fucking where she breaks his legs, dude. I can't. Yas rough. Yas rough, eh? It just it gives you just just thinking about it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's good. Of course, James Con, Kathy Bates, and uh, it's uh, directed by Rob Reiner, and yeah. uh, it's actually from the book from the one and only Mr. Stephen King. And you Great can always book. go back and listen to us talk about Stephen King, too. We did. Way back in the day. It did, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> a whole wheel of cheese. So uh, Misery is just amazing. And obviously he's a, great film. he's a writer and he gets you know in an accident and gets kidnapped by some crazy lady who loves him and is like it, like believes his stories are real. Yeah. And she's she won't let him leave. Won't let him leave. It is a It's an angle breaker. It's it oh. <laughs> And if that doesn't tell you anything, just go watch the damn movie because <laughs> that's where that's at. All right, so those are your movies. That's a solid list. That was the Sodder Children and damn it, we want to know what you guys think. Do you guys think that it was the mafia? Also, do you think it was the aliens? What? Also what? Also you kind of got a twofer in this episode. Yeah. Because you got that whole story about that fucking insane lady. She's a Georgia Georgetown. Beulah. Beulah. 
Beulah. Beulah Tan. That name fits that fucking ugly ass woman, dude. Beulah. Beulah. Ugh, she if your sucks. name's Beulah, we're not making fun of you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if your name is Beulah, uh, sorry, but your name's Beulah. That is a weird name. <laughs> so listen, tell us what you guys think of that. Let us know what you think. You know, do you think that, you know, that, seriously, Give us some ideas. Maybe you know yeah, even you, know something else. What do y'all else. think? Do you got something that we don't know? Does there, do you know something that we don't know? I know we got some listeners down there in West for by God. I'd like to hear what they think as well. Do, yeah. Maybe there's like some... Do you know anybody like that? Does your family like know anybody that was in, like not involved? I don't know. Like, I, I, I I could find out. Yeah, you should. Because that's find literally out. an hour away from both sides of my family. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm saying like, like Charleston and, and Clinton and they're both an hour away from this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You, I wonder if you know anybody like... I'm sure somebody down there knows something. That's like knows like the kid, the kids that lived or like something, you know what I mean? Like Even if they knew the, the father, like maybe my grandfather knew him. Who knows, you know? Yeah, if your grandpappy knew uh, old George there. Yeah. So I don't know, figure it out, but let us know what you guys think. Um, also, make sure to stop over to our official website, themidnighttrainpodcast.com. Yeah. At our website, you can now buy a great t-shirt that supports your second favorite podcast. <laughs> That's right. America's second favorite <laughs> podcast, for a fact. Get on over there. Like I said, there's uh, crop tops, there's uh, hoodies, there's t-shirts. Nice. Get on over there and get nice. you some and show the world that you... We gotta make those into stickers too. Yeah, we, get, we gotta make that into a sticker and send them out again, and get them out there. Yeah, second best teaser or yeah. second favorite. Yeah, of course. Just plaster oh, those man. stickers up everywhere because, like, if you saw that, you'd be like, "All right, I gotta check it out." <laughs> second favorite. Second oh, that's favorite. weird. So anyway, yeah, do that, <laughs> and also get on over to our website, check out our click on our sponsors and whatnot, and check out uh, you know the one and only Doctor Squanch. Squanch, love it. Um, Mr. My pine tar today. Did you? Yeah, it's good. I just cracked I open my uh, uh, what is it, Darth Maul? Did you? Oh yeah, dude, it's good. I like I, that. They one got a lot. bunch of new scents uh, for the uh, yeah, the gravity or for the, some for the subscription box. Yeah, it's like the gravity thing or whatever. Jeff and I were talking about it on the other episode. Yeah, that, it's that's all icons like the, it's and all the, outlaws. Uh, all the space theme stuff. Yeah. like Mar. They have ones called like Mars Bar. They got a uh, couple I gotta of get other those. Ones. Yeah, yeah, I got to pick that up. Actually, just got no. My new subscription just came today. It's actually outside. Nice. Yeah. Mine. Uh. Mine. I think is in June. Is when it reups. Now, I just have to start taking showers. Yeah, that would help. Yeah. I've got a big backlog of soaps because yeah. I don't shower. Yeah, very exactly. Often. Like you know, it's like damn it, I really gotta shower. When you only shower once a week, you don't really right. need it. <laughs> so anyway, get on over there and get yourself some <laughs> soap. Get some soap for your man's, or get it for yourself, ladies, because it is awesome. It smells great. Seriously, it's awesome stuff. Let it's them made, know we sent you. That's right. It's made by you know all the natural ingredients, finest stuff out there. Not cheaply made or harmfully mad produced. Mad produced. Mass produced. You can get twenty percent off <laughs> oh, your. It's mad produced, yo. <laughs> that shit's mad produced, dog. <laughs> You can get 20% off your first subscription. Just head over to the midnighttrainpodcast.com. Like I said, click on sponsors and get you some damn soap, right? Yeah. You know what goes good with soap? What? A joke. Uh, Are we we ready for that? Are we? I I would say so. All right. All right. You ready for this one? Yeah, let's go. Let's go. You do that while I'm going to grab a beer. All right. So, what did the left eye say to the right eye? I don't know, Moody. What did the left eye say? say to the right eye between you and me something smells <laughs> i don't know which one to give you right yeah. now <laughs> all right i'll give it to you oh it's great you know it <laughs> fucking horrible jesus <laughs> well if you like those jokes <laughs> 
and you want to tell the world about it, you should do that. Tell your friends. Do everything you can. And also consider becoming a producer of the show by heading on over to the MidnightTrainPodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or just go to Patreon.com forward slash Accidental Dads. Yeah. And... For as little as $5 a month, you can actually get all kinds of cool stuff. You can. You can get, like, bonus this and bonus that. Backlogs yeah. of bonus. Yeah. Oh, you got tons. You got so, tons. So many. Three years of bonus episodes. Plethora. Well, like two years of bonus episodes. Yeah, roughly. Yeah. Something like that. So get on over there. Support lot. the show. There's some good ones. Get too. yourself some, you know, some stuff and, you know, tell your friends that you're cooler than they are because you're a Patreon member. You are a pooper. Yeah, that makes you way cooler than everybody else. That does make you way pooper. Or way pooper. <laughs> <laughs> Technically. Way pooper. You're so much pooper than they are. No, I've never seen someone <laughs> so much pooper. God, you're like so pooper. <laughs> so I actually have something I want to talk about real fast oh, before no. we go any further here. Okay. If I can find it. So we we did Creepy Portugal last week. We did do Creepy Portugal. I know. I just said that. I know. I was reiterating. Okay. Agreeing with you. I don't know why you're being so mean about it. Because fuck you. Oh. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so um, um, we actually have a listener. Yeah. Okay. He's awesome. Um, Like, uh, let's see here. I'm going to read a uh, little bit from him. And uh, this is from, uh, let's see, uh, Nuno Negreo. Okay. I believe that's how I pronounce, I pronounce that. Probably not, and I greatly apologize. And he says, I'm so sorry, guys, but it looks like we don't have much of uh, haunted bridges around here. Oh. This was the only one I could find. It's not really haunted, though. I uh, hope you enjoy it. By the way, great episode. I'll be sending you some more haunted haunted <laughs> shits <laughs> and yeah, stuff. dude. And he said, choo-choo. This is called The Legends of Mizzarella Bridge. Oh, all right. The Mizzarella cool. Bridge is, a, is truly a legendary place as it carries not just one, but two legends. The first and perhaps the most well-known justifies why. It is also known as the Bridge of the Devil or oh. sometimes the Bridge of Hell. Hell, nice. hell, hell, hell. Nice. Legend has it that one day a man fled soullessly through this region. Sometimes he is a noble man, other times a fugitive from the law. Frightened, he walks along the paths of the dense forest until he reaches the cliffs of the river. Seeing that he had no way of crossing the river and fearing that the pursuers would catch him, he decided to evoke the devil, asking him for help to cross the bridge, offering his soul in return. Nice. At that moment, the devil appears, accepts the proposal, and makes a bridge for the man to cross. Nice. After crossing the bridge, the devil helps him to escape, making the bridge disappear and then disappearing as well. Wow. Many years later, and when the same man was at death's door, Satan appears again, now to collect the it's debt. time, motherfucker! Gotta pay up! Frightened, now repentant, of course, and wanting to break the pact with the devil, the man calls the priest to tell him what happened and asks him to absolve him of his sins. The priest decides to help him and goes to the place where the pact took place. Moved by faith, the priest disguises himself as a pleasant or peasant and goes to the place where the devil had appeared. When he gets there, he invokes the devil in a similar way to what the fugitive have done and says, quote, By God of the pure waters of Rabageo, or by the devil of black stones, may a stone bridge appear here. This is where the devil appears. And as before, makes a bridge appear. Okay. The peasant in disguise crosses the bridge, and while the devil rubs an eye, he takes the holy water he had hidden under his cloak and throws it towards the evil angel while shouting an exorcism. The frightened- Be gone, bitch! The frightened devil disappears and crashes and fumes, leaving behind the bridge that would come to be known as the Devil's Bridge or nice. Missarela Bridge. 
And he says, so this is literally the devil's bridge as it was built by the devil himself. That's fucking awesome. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, I wish I could have. I, could, I, I didn't find that anywhere. That's crazy. Okay, but it goes on just a little bit more here. Perhaps even more fascinating than the devil's legend is the almost extinct baptism ritual of Pont de Miserala. Oh. Due to its location and its myth- mythical aura, the bridge also gained magical powers. Uh, of course it did. So when a woman is unable to maintain a pregnancy or is afraid of having an abortion, she should go to the bridge at the end of the day, accompanied by her husband or family members, and wait for the first person to pass by. This traveler will be invited to celebrate the baptism of the future child. The baptism ritual must be performed on the spot in Ventris and using pure water from the Rabageo River. It is said that no one ever refused to do so, as it is considered a moral duty and a great honor. The ceremony consists of collecting water from the Rebigeo River in a small bowl and pouring it over the woman's belly while saying the following spell. Oh boy. I baptize you, creature of God, by the power of God and the Virgin Mary. If you are a boy, you will be Gervaz. If you are a girl, you will be Senharina. It may be necessary to repeat the trip to the bridge under a traveler is until a traveler is found to perform the ceremony. It is said that even today there are some Gervaseos and Senorinas in the region, and that this is proof of the existence of this curious popular belief. Wow. That is awesome. That's great. It's fucking awesome. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> Thank you so much for that, Nuno. That is awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. Jesus. And he also we said... We knew they'd come through. And he we also knew said somebody his, would come through. Yeah, as far as like all the Portuguese, Portuguese stuff that I had to say. He said I, He said I fucked it up pretty bad. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all good. All good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's I mean, awesome, man. We Thank knew you. that was going to happen. Yeah, thank you so much for sending that over to us because, yeah, he, we, we, you couldn't find anything, I didn't right? see yeah. anything about that, man. Yeah. And I Googled the shit out of bridges in Portugal. To let, me, let, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> So don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify. Get over there and rate us, all right? You can also find the uh, curated Icons and Outlaws playlist over there. And you can also find Icons and Outlaws. Subscribe to that, too, because you know what? It's good. I listen. I did listen to, uh, I listened to the first episode. You did? It was solid. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So listen, we can't thank you guys enough for all your love and support, obviously. It's been three years, mother. Fuckers. Hell yeah, dude. You guys are amazing and you you really do keep it moving. You you you're the reason we actually do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we don't like each other at all. No. And yet here we are. Yeah. Just to put on this show for you. Right. As you soon know? as the thing go as soon as we shut off, we start yelling at each other. Yeah. And I usually storm out of the house angry. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough, actually. Yeah. One of yeah. these days maybe I'll just have it videotaped someplace. Right. Or or We'll keep the facade going. Okay. Yeah, we yeah, should yeah, probably, probably better. So thank you guys so much for listening. A very special thank you. To our fearless executive producer, Patreon Poopers. <laughs> to Chris Lucas, Zachary Danielson, Joseph Aramo, Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Na- uh, Nathan Diekman, Hank St. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm going to start that over. Ready? Here we go. <laughs> To Chris Lucas, Zachary Danielson, Joseph Aramo, Margaret Dempsey, Kelly Ryan, Nathan Diekman, Hank Sanchez, Stacey Lacona, Nicholas Cooper, Caitlin McKinney, Trent Scott, Spencer Dunlap, Jacob Cook, Maggie Brothers, Albert Lopez, Miles Campbell, Brian Gunselman, Margaret Atkins, Colleen Cox, Pumpkin Escobar, Mac Doherty, Turner Cox, Sydney Sayer, Gina Madsen, Janet Shirell, Chad Flint, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb over at the Fun Box Podcast. What, what? Make sure you check them out. Christina Skelton and Jessica Bartolome from the Sister Skeleton Podcast. I thought it was Sister's Skeleton. No, that's our new one we're going to do. 
on the oh, slide. Oh, spin, that's a spinoff? That's a spinoff. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. And, and please go over there and make sure you're checking them out. They're absolutely awesome. Uh, to Maria Gibbs, to Chainsaw. What the fuck? Hope you feel better, brother. Yeah. Jigsaw, Rick Resler, Courtney Bachelor, Katie Brabinick, and of course, my boy, Bill Burt. Oh, good for you. <laughs> it actually hurts when you do that. You got to get the sample back. Yeah, I know. Right? I got to get it back. It's in there somewhere. So spread the word. And if you want your name to be mentioned on the show and for us to be forever grateful, and you get all those damn bonus episodes and all yeah. them shits, yeah. become a Patreon producer. And, uh, you know, be cool like the rest of these people be we just talked about. Be a pooper. The absolute greatest people on the face of the entire earth. They're pretty super sweet. Unlike Beulah, that you, oh my God. bitch. Ugh. Fuck. What a fucking cantankerous. I can't believe that's not like a widely known thing. I, I'm telling you, dude. I did. I was reading through the notes last night, and I was just going through, and I'm like, what? <laughs> I told you. I sent you that text like, dude, you're good. there's another. There's like a side story in there that's going to blow your mind. Fucking horrendous. <laughs> I Ugh. couldn't believe that shit. All right, so stay safe out there, passengers. And as always... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh-oh. You never told me what you think about this Otter Children. Yeah, I did. I what told you, you earlier. What do you think? Well, I think I think that somebody spotted them or whatever outside and protected them and took them away. Okay. That's what I so think. So you're choosing to uh, you're choosing. To I want go the, the hope. happy route? I yeah. want the hope. Okay. Yeah, I want to have that hope that they right. went out. Now... Do you think that picture was of the sun? <sighs> So, so I don't reason, know. I don't know. I don't know if I put it in there. I might not have put it in there. But the uh, one of the so the number that's on that photo, uh, there was like a number on it or whatever. It was like A and then like a number. Yeah, 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 yeah. A- apparently, that number was the uh, area or zip code for Palermo in Italy. So was somebody? So there. Th- that's that's one of the things that like because lines... I said that the postage came from Kentucky, right? But the the. Uh, the number, one of the numbers on there, or whatever, it was like it was, uh, it was because it said like you know, I love brother Hank, something boy like I L L I L boys or whatever. Yeah, it's it like is. little boy. Yeah, and then and who the, f- who the fuck was number, brother Frank? I don't know. And then there was a number after that it was like A nine something something yeah, yeah, something, yeah. and apparently that was uh, a number that was like a zip code or area code in in Italy in like Palermo I think someone said. So that's another reason that people think the mafia was involved. Damn. Yeah. Well. I know we're just talking about this after the whole episode. I know. See, this is why you stay to the end of the show. I know, right? That's why you stay here. Yeah. I know, right? I know, right? I know, right? I know, right? All right. Anyways. Stay safe out there. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, choo-choo, motherfuckers. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. He's a dick. (laughs) 